iHeartRadio.com. Begin on this Monday, the 18th of September, by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the God of our salvation. You have brought all things into being. We, your creatures, pray your blessings upon us. You have made our, us in your image and redeemed us in your love. We, your children, pray your blessings upon us. You have destined us for everlasting life in your presence. We, your people, pray your blessings upon us. O God, the giver of all good gifts, our desire to praise you is itself a blessing you have bestowed upon us. We can offer you nothing that you do not already have, except our love which we render to you in worship and in service to all whom you redeem in Jesus Christ. Grant us glad gratitude in him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we do what we do first thing every week, which is talk to Kevin Schmeising and uh, get a look at this week in Catholic history. A couple of more fascinating ones this week from Kevin. I don't know where he finds all this stuff. I mean, I know he finds them in the annals of history, but... He finds some cool stories. Father Philip LeVay joins us from Humanity 2.0. More thoughts on AI, virtual reality, technological development, and the Catholic faith. And then Father John Gavin along as well. He'll discuss the church as a bride, what St. Augustine had to say about that, and how he's quoted in the catechism. We'll also check in with Father Patrick Briscoe this morning from our Sunday visitor. So do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers has reached a fourth day now. Reports say the union met with Ford and GM over the weekend while a meeting with Stellantis is scheduled for today. UAW President Sean Fain told MSNBC yesterday that progress has been slow. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan and Missouri. They're demanding better pay and pension benefits. In Washington, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says, quote, good progress is being made in talks to avoid a government shutdown. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, McCarthy said that Republicans wanted to change Washington when they took the majority and that he's never seen anyone, quote, win a shutdown. McCarthy faces challenges in passing a stopgap funding bill as it appears he lacks the votes to keep the government open beyond September 30th. McCarthy added the only way to cut spending is to pass bills which allow the government to keep running, which he said are the most conservative bills going forward. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful for prayers for his upcoming visit later this week to Marseille, France. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. As Pope Francis recalled his imminent apostolic visit to Marseille, France, this coming Friday, the Pope offered his closeness to the war-torn people of Ukraine and to all people in lands of war. Pope Francis will make the two-day visit to the southern French city of Marseille this Friday and Saturday to close the so-called Mediterranean meetings, which is gathering bishops and young people from across the Mediterranean from the 17th of September to the 24th. The Holy Father had praised the upcoming visit as an opportunity to promote fraternity through these meetings, which will gather representatives from that region. The Pope called the upcoming meetings a beautiful initiative, noting it winds its way through important Mediterranean cities, bringing together ecclesial and civil leaders to promote paths of peace, collaboration, and integration around the Mare Nostrum with special attention to the phenomenon of migration. It represents the Holy Father highlighted a challenge that is not easy, as we see also from the chronicles of these days, but which we must face together. This, he insisted, is essential for the future of all, which will only be prosperous, he noted, if it is built on fraternity, putting human dignity and concrete people first, especially the most needy. He said he already greets all the inhabitants and says he looks forward to meeting so many dear brothers and sisters. The Pope greeted various groups present at the Angelus, and in a special way, he greeted the missionary sisters of the Most Holy Redeemer of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. The Holy Father went on to recall the battered people of Ukraine and once again called for peace in the country being devastated by war and for all countries with wars. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. During his Angelus Address catechesis, the Holy Father preached a message of forgiveness. The Pope told the faithful to think of someone who has hurt them and to ask God for the strength to forgive that person. He said that forgiveness can heal the poisons of resentment and restore peace to our hearts. He said forgiving is not a good deed that we can choose to do or not do, but a fundamental condition for those who are Christians. President Biden is in New York as a busy week lies ahead for him. He's scheduled to address the United Nations General Assembly tomorrow. Meetings with several world leaders like Brazilian President Luiz Inacio Lula da Silva and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are also on the docket this week. The president will then host Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House on Thursday comes as the administration is pushing Congress for more funding for the country's fight against Russia. Zelensky is also expected to hold meetings with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. The military is looking for a missing fighter jet. A Marine Corps pilot ejected from an F-35B Lightning after a mishap on Sunday and landed safely in North Charleston, South Carolina. The plane, however, is nowhere to be found. Officials are looking in the area of north of Joint Base Charleston near Lake Moultrie and Lake Marion. The base is asking anyone who has information on the possible location of the $100 million aircraft to give them a call. And the Dolphins capped off a busy NFL Sunday with a primetime win in New England. They defeated the Patriots 24-17 in Sunday night football. In other action, Josh Allen and the Bills rolled to a 38-10 win over the Las Vegas Raiders in Orchard Park. The New York Giants erased a 20-point halftime deficit to stun the Arizona Cardinals 31-28. Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs earned their first win of the season after taking down the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
17 to 9 on the road. You said it right, Anna Mitchell. I did it for you. Actually, you should say it wrong on purpose in a way that it's clear that you're avoiding the other way that you say it wrong, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I say Jaguars. You say Jaguars. As if it is J-A-G-W-I-R-E-S. Jaguars. Well, but, you know, there are a lot of people out there who say you're in my team as though it were spelled B-A-N-G-L-E-S. Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. They watched the Commanders yesterday. Uh, I saw the Commanders game. Um, you didn't watch the Bengals game? Against the Broncos. I hope that was you a, didn't. That was a pretty wild one. There was, I actually saw, since this is Catholic radio, I actually saw a Hail Mary that worked. Ooh. Uh, Russell Wilson threw one, and uh, it was batted around, and his own man, a Bronco, caught it. And they had to get a two-point conversion to tie it up. And there was what looked to me like a clear case of pass interference, but it wasn't called. So they didn't get the two-point conversion. Commanders pulled it out. So there you go. Wow. No overtime. You didn't watch your Ravens? My Ravens. (laughs) Anna Mitchell, delete your account. (laughs) It is eight minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Kevin Schmeezing. He's the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. So our first piece of Catholic history this week, we celebrate the anniversary of a founding of a university. Well, actually, not just a university in Mexico, but the University of Mexico. Yeah, that's right. I guess you could say our theme this week is New Spain. Both of our pieces are from that part of the world. Um, The University of Mexico this week in 1551, Matt, it was one of the earliest universities in the New World, 85 years before Harvard. Uh, after the conquest of Hernando Cortez in 1521, the former capital of the Aztec Empire became the capital of New Spain and was renamed Mexico City. Colonization proceeded, but along with it, evangelization, and one dimension of that was education. Probably the very first educational institution in the Americas was a school for Indians founded by a Franciscan friar in the Mexico region. The Bishop of Mexico founded a colegio, which is roughly equivalent to our high school in Mexico City in 1534, and so soon there was need for an institution of higher learning. The governor of New Spain initiated the process, and on September 21st, this week in 1551, the King of Spain and the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, issued a royal charter for the university. It was also approved by the Pope for theological studies, so its formal name was the Royal and Pontifical University of Mexico. It had chairs in theology, scripture, canon law, civil law, the arts and grammar. It soon added medicine and native languages for some 300 years. It was the premier university of Northern New Spain. It ran into some trouble after Mexican independence as the forces of secularization swept across Mexico. It was closed finally in 1865. The top university in Mexico today is the National Autonomous University of Mexico, founded as a secular university in 1910, but it's sometimes considered the successor to the original University of Mexico, which had its start this week in 1551. Well, there are probably a lot of institutions of higher learning in the United States of America who think they have prestigious and ancient foundings, and they hear 1551. (laughs) <laughs> and are a little taken aback. Uh, but let's talk about the first seminarians from the California missions and uh, what we can celebrate from them this week. 
Yeah, it was this week in 1834, and a quick tip of the hat here to my fellow historian, Christian Clifford. He came across my Catholic pilgrimage book a while back. He contacted me out of the blue and alerted me to this dimension of the story of the California missions, which I had been totally unaware of up to that point. Matt, you and I have talked many times about the missions, this chain of outposts founded by the Franciscans initially under the leadership of St. Junipero Serra. The 18th of the 21 missions was San Luis Rey, which is today in the city of Oceanside in Southern California. It was there that Pablo Toc was born in 1822. His mother and father were both native Californians who had converted to Catholicism. So Pablo was baptized as an infant. He and another native boy, Agapito Amamex, also born of convert parents, showed considerable intellectual and spiritual promise. So in 1834, a friar from Mission San Luis, Father Antonio Perry, took the two with him to travel to Rome for seminary training. Pablo Toc was 12 years old when he and Agapito enrolled at the College of the Propaganda Fide, today the Pontifical Urban University, as the first native California seminarians. It was this week, September 23rd, 1834. Among their professors was the hyperpolyglot Cardinal Giuseppe Mezzofonte. We covered him, Matt, a few years ago, so some listeners might remember that. Mezzofonte was fluent in about 40 languages and had knowledge of many others. In his position at the church's mission university, you might say he kind of collected languages, so he made a study of these Californians' native tongue. For his part, by his fourth year, Pablo was proficient in Latin, and he wrote an ethnographic account of California's native peoples. We still have it. It's titled De Californiensibus. Unfortunately, neither Agapito nor Pablo would be the first native Californian priest, because Agapito died in Italy in 1837, presumably of disease of some kind, we don't really know. Pablo died of tuberculosis in Rome in 1841, so he was not quite 20 years old. It wasn't until 1977 that a man of native California blood would become a priest, a descendant of Mission San Jose Indians, ordained for the Diocese of Oakland. But the first seminarians from the California missions went to Rome this week in 1834. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. On so many, I have so many questions. I wish this segment was a whole lot longer. Uh, but you've also reminded me in this that there are probably a whole bunch of listeners out there who know some really interesting tidbits from their local dioceses and the history of the places they're listening from uh, that uh, I'm sure they'd want to get in touch with you to share. So if they want to get in touch with you, Kevin, maybe find a copy of your book. Is there a good way to do so? Uh, sure. You can find it anywhere, Amazon or any uh, online bookseller, and a lot of Catholic bookstores sell it also. And you can always find Kevin through the Sunrise Morning Show website, sunrisemorningshow.com. Kevin, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thank you, Matt. You too. All right, let's check on weather for the nation. A cold front moving across the eastern U.S. will depart around midday. Showers and thunderstorms that are part of that will dissipate by the afternoon, except in the northeast, where showers and possible thunderstorms will continue throughout the day. Widespread sea breeze storms possible along the Gulf Coast, especially in Florida. In the southern plains, scattered showers and thunderstorms are possible from New Mexico to Texas. Some strong storms could form. The Pacific Northwest could see some periodic rain showers today, but dry and stable weather expected across the southwest, the northern plains, and lower Mississippi and Tennessee valleys. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past the hour. We need your help. 
Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize the Catholic Church is too rich? Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers is now reaching a fourth day. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful for prayers for an upcoming visit later this week to Marseille, France. And during his catechesis, the Holy Father preached a message of forgiveness. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. So, Anna Mitchell, I uh, had a question for you. Okay. And we've we've talked about this in various forms before, but I was curious for you mm-hmm. specifically. What would be a prayer or song that is so beloved to you that you have committed it entirely to memory, um, but that you have completely blanked on when trying to lead a group of people in it? Because <laughs> I have a theory, at least in my circles, as to what the number one prayer is in regard to that, because. Uh, it happened again over the weekend that someone opened up a meeting with it. Mm-hmm. And, and then they forgot. Uh, I know like six or seven people that I've seen do this. And this is actually a, one of the reasons. I've seen it happen so many times that I'm afraid to use this particular prayer oh, how in interesting. public. Okay. The one time that I have completely blanked on a prayer that I have memorized was actually here on the morning show during our local hour because you usually open the program for us with prayer. Usually, unless I'm traveling or something. If you're traveling, like you will be this week, I will be opening our local hour with prayer. And I did the Canticle of Zechariah. Oh. And somewhere in the midst of it, I completely lost my train of thought and didn't have it in front of me. So I just kind of laughed, said I forgot the rest of the prayer, and moved on to a glory be. I'm trying to think. My most beloved 
prayer is um, actually the divine praises, but okay. I don't think that I've ever lost track of it. It's a tough one to attempt in public without yeah. a script because. Well, you know what I, you know where I get tripped up. You might up. get Mary's attributes. Out of order. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just go in in chronological order. Immaculate conception, glorious assumption. assumption. But um, and then blessed be and the name just, of Mary. And then. Okay, so that's the one I forget because I skip through blessed be the name of Mary Most Holy and I go straight to blessed be St. Joseph for most true spouse. Well, you know, that's all right. um, I feel like the Holy Family understands. Yeah, I think so. But where I get tripped up with the divine praises is during adoration when the priest decides to do, says, blessed be God. And then the congregation says, blessed be God. And I'm like moving through the whole thing because I've, it was a prayer that Will and I had kind of made our our like official prayer for us as a couple kind of thing sure it's um, well, I got- actually inscribed the second the first line of it blessed be god is inscribed in will's wedding ring Whoa. and then blessed be his holy name is inscribed in mine well what do you know i did yeah. not know this well so i got two okay one's for fun because i was leading a rosary over the weekend and i uh accidentally did the Apostasian Creed. You know, <laughs> this is the problem where you start oh my the Apostles gosh, Creed yes. and then you like mix in pieces of the Nicene Creed. You're like, oh, doggone it. I get this screwed up at Mass all the time. But the one, the number one yeah. that I see a lot of people try. And then two lines in, like a wave of panic washes over their faces. The come Holy Spirit prayer. Oh, yes. So there you go. It's 21 past. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith and Father Jacob Bertram Janchek will discuss his new podcast on St. Augustine's Confessions. Alvin Louie will share the latest news from his ministry, Courage is a Virtue. I will talk about the life of St. Joseph of Cupertino, the frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We are glad that you're here with us as we 
plow through the month of September. Hard to believe we're already halfway through the month, more than halfway through the month. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Philip LeRae, and uh, he is with Humanity 2.0. You can find them online at humanity2-o.org. We talk about artificial intelligence and the Catholic faith. I'm really excited. I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while, but Magisterium AI is a tool that is out there now. And Father LeRae, I wonder if you could tell us what Magisterium AI is and how it works. This is an application based on a artificial intelligence motor, which is similar to OpenAI's ChatGPT. Now, the difference is that it has been taught on official documents of the church. I think uh, Matthew Sanders, who's the founder of, of Magisterium AI, has uh, and his team, they've inserted roughly 4,000 official documents of the church. Uh, the most recent one was the Denzinger edition, which is the official uh, uh, writing of all of the councils of the church. Uh, and <clears throat> so when you ask it a question, if you've ever used ChatGPT, you ask a question, it answers. You're only going to get the authentic answer from the Catholic Church. And I think that's one of the greatest advantages of this artificial intelligence. It won't make things up. Those are called hallucinations in the, the jargon. Uh, it won't it won't uh, give you false news uh, and it won't give you wrong answers because it, it, it has to reference the answers that it gives you. Uh, I, let me just give you an example. If you Matt, you, you would say, uh, explain the law of, uh, of celibacy for priests of the Catholic Church. And then it's just going to go through all the history of the church and, and tell you about that theme. And it's going to uh, reference it through uh, with documents in the, in the church. So this is a, a tool which is really taking the Catholic world by storm. A lot of uh, scholars are using it. Uh, I know that, that Matthew is in contact with several universities to partner. For example, the Catholic University of America. The Canon Law Society of America is also uh, very interested in, in uh, using this on a large scale. Uh, because just imagine, you know, you have the Code of Canon Law, and then you have all kinds of other resources uh, that, that's going to help you as a canon lawyer. Uh, what, one of the issues that they're very careful about is copyright. And uh, if you've read the news recently, uh, Sam Altman is having a little difficulty. Well, it's actually a major difficulty because he's being sued uh, by authors that he has used to train his artificial intelligence. And so th th there's really not a very clear law on this yet. So that's why it's uh, murky waters. Uh, but Matthew Sanders, in terms of Magisterium AI, is only using material which is not copyrighted. He's, he's, asked, he's very, very sensitive to that. And there may be a way in which he can uh, use other material down the line by getting permission or by paying royalties or something like that. Uh, but right now, all of the information that is used by the AI is not copyrighted and therefore is, uh, is for the, public, is the general public domain. Well, it is a, a pretty fascinating resource. I tried it out the other day because there had been a question that had come up in, in my world. And so I just said, you know, how do I choose a godparent? I just typed it in, and huh. I got like a six-paragraph response, and it was all footnoted and referenced. And some of those places were places I expected to see referenced, uh, you know, the catechism and some other things. 
But I saw these other footnotes, footnotes to like uh, a homily that Pope Benedict gave on the baptism of the Lord. I was like, oh, well, this is yeah. helpful. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought to look there. And, and there's some other things like that. You know, there's an interesting aspect of this, too, is that some people are like, oh, well, this will – this will replace, you know, me explaining my faith to my friend. And and my first, you know, response to that is, well, not really, because I then took what I learned from what I put in Magisterium AI, and then knowing the person's situation, I said, well, in your particular situation, knowing the people that you know and the, you know, whatever, I, I then had to still apply it in a very human way. Um, and I right. think that that's going to still be the case no matter what you're able to enter into the GPT. Exactly. And, I, you know, some people are saying that priests are using this to, to do homilies. I'm like, great. I mean, it can, <laughs> it can only in, get improved, you know. Uh, so and then we've had this conversation before. I really don't think that AI is going to replace everything. I think it's going to help us. It's, it's going to help us achieve our goals, just like you said. Uh, you still need, uh, you know, interpersonal connectivity. You still need to apply it to situations, uh, but it's a tool. It's a tool that can help us. And the, uh, I told Sam Altman, I said, you know, you should, you should be supportive of this because it's a way to uh, use the, the motor that you've created in a, a great way. It has only an upside. There's no downside to it. Well, you know, we should do a whole segment on that whole homily question down the road because there's going to be probably a, a range of how people feel about that thing. But I will say this. Uh, I've heard a lot of homilies where people have gone and copied and pasted paragraphs from various things into their homily, but they are not church teachings. They're uh, jokes they heard on the Internet right, or stories that they got from somewhere else. Uh, so there are a lot of priests who are already doing this kind of thing, but maybe not with magisterial documents, you know, just trying to find a good, funnier illustration to kick off a homily. So uh, I would hope that this does have that kind of – I mean, you're, you're, you're a pastor. you got a difficult passage to preach on this weekend, and you know, rather than make it up off the top of your head, it sure would be nice to say, I wonder what Pope Benedict has said about this. You know, I wonder exactly. what – you know, some of these other great thinkers in the life of the church have said about this. So if our listeners want to try this out, maybe throw in some questions and see how it works. How do they do so? Go Robert? for it. Go for it. It's uh, it's being used in over 125 countries, and the numbers keep growing. So uh, it's catching on. And we've got the link to it. Uh, I'm actually going to put it um, – I'll put it a direct link on our show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got Father Philip LeRae linked there as well. Thank you so much, Father. Have a wonderful day. Okay. God bless, Matt. Half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers has reached a fourth day now. Reports say the union met with Ford and GM over the weekend while a meeting with Stellantis is scheduled for today. UAW President Sean Fain told MSNBC yesterday that progress has been slow. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri, demanding better pay and pension benefits. Meanwhile, Ford has laid off 600 employees at its assembly plant in Wayne, Michigan, as the UAW strike continues. Michael Kastner reports. The automaker announced the layoffs on Friday. Meanwhile, General Motors will idle its Fairfax assembly plant in Kansas, putting 2,000 people out of work. The strike at the Wenzel, Missouri assembly plant is being blamed for the move. UAW President Sean Fain says the automakers laying off people who are not on strike is putting the squeeze on the union to settle for less. 
I'm Michael Kastner. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says good progress is being made in talks to avoid a government shutdown. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, McCarthy said Republicans wanted to change Washington when they took the majority and that he's never seen anyone win a shutdown. McCarthy faces challenges in passing a stopgap funding bill, though, as it appears he lacks the votes to keep the government open beyond September 30th. McCarthy added the only way to cut spending is to pass bills which allow the government to keep running, which he said are the most conservative bills going forward. Pope Francis has asked for prayers for his upcoming trip to Marseille, France. The Holy Father will travel there at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. He called it an opportunity to promote fraternity through the meetings, which will gather representatives from all over the Mediterranean region. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday gospel in his catechesis, stressing the importance of forgiveness. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Pope explained that the number seven in the Bible is a number that indicates completeness, and therefore, Peter, he said, was very generous in the assumptions of his question. But Jesus, Pope Francis observes, goes further and answers him, I do not say to you up to seven, but up to 77. Jesus tells him, the Pope recalled, that when you forgive, do not calculate. It is good to forgive everything and always, he said. God, Pope Francis continued, has done this with us. Likewise, he noted, those who administer God's forgiveness are called to do the same, namely to forgive always. Perdonare sempre. Jesus' message, the Pope continued, is clear. God forgives incalculably, exceeding all measure. God acts out of love and gratuitousness, the Pope said, observing, we cannot repay him. Forgiveness is therefore not a good deed that one can do or not do. The Pope said that this constitutes a fundamental condition for those who are Christians, noting God has given his life for us and in no way can we compensate for his mercy. However, by corresponding to his gratuitousness, that is, by forgiving one another, the Pope said, we can bear witness to him, sowing new life around us. For outside of forgiveness, he said, there is no hope. Outside of forgiveness, he said, there is no peace. Forgiveness, the Holy Father argued, is the oxygen that purifies the air polluted by hatred. It is the antidote that heals the poisons of resentment, and it is the way to diffuse anger and heal so many diseases of the heart that contaminate society. Let us try now, each one of us, he said, to think of a person who has hurt us, and let us ask the Lord for the strength to forgive them, and let us forgive them out of love for the Lord. The Pope said it will do us good. It will restore peace in our hearts. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The United Nations says the death toll from flooding in northeastern Libya is now up to at least 11,300. And another 10,000 people continue to be missing in just in the devastated city of Derna. Rescuers are clawing through debris in the city on the Mediterranean coast, trying to find survivors in buildings torn apart torn apart by last week's unprecedented flooding. Historic rainfall last Sunday and Monday caused two dams to break, unleashing millions of cubic meters of flood water through the city. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 35 minutes past the hour.
Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Schneller and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino, Monday, September the 18th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller and Ackerman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at SKPHA. Going to be a nice fall-like day today. Right now, temperatures in the lower to mid-50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy and pleasant today with a high of 76 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with the possibility of some patchy fog and an overnight low of 52. Mostly sunny and pleasant again tomorrow with a high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 73 degrees. Clearing with some fog possible tonight and an overnight low around 50. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on a Monday morning. Feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino, a patron of students because he wanted to be a priest and he wasn't a very great student. So he prayed that the bishop would only ask him questions that he knew. And that's what happened. So you got a test today. You did some studying pray through the intercession of St. Joseph of Cupertino. Father John Gavin joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So we are heading to Catechism Paragraph 796 today as we continue looking at Church Fathers quoted in the Catechism, and we have a a quote from St. Augustine today. Now, to kind of set this up, last time we talked about Christ and his church and how they make up the whole Christ. You've got Christ as the head and the church as the body. So today we're kind of unpacking that a little further, I suppose. Is that how you would describe what we're, we're going to be discussing today? Sure. So uh, we're going from the image of Christ as the head and the church as the body to another very important image that expresses this, that namely... Uh, uh, Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. So again, expressing this this intimate union, and yet at the same time a distinction between Christ and each and every member. 
Yeah, and this is a rather lengthy paragraph in the Catechism. Mm. So we are going, I'm just going to read the St. Augustine quote and and go from there. So this is what St. Augustine writes. This is the whole Christ, head and body, one, one formed from many. Whether the head or members speak, it is Christ who speaks. He speaks in his role as the head and in his role as the body. What does this mean? The two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I am applying it to Christ and the church. And the Lord himself says in the gospel, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. They are, in fact, two different persons, yet they are one in the conjugal union. As head, he calls himself the bridegroom. As body, he calls himself bride. Now, first of all, Father, where does uh, where does this quote from St. Augustine come from? So this quote comes from the Enoraciones in Salmos. That is, it's a collection of sermons that Augustine gave on all 150 psalms, uh, in some cases more than once on mm-hmm. a particular psalm. And this comes from the a sermon on Psalm 74 or 75, depending which uh, num- uh, numbers you're following. And it's uh, on, it's right at the beginning of the sermon, where we hear in the psalm, uh, we praise you, O God, we praise you, we call on your name and recount your wondrous deeds. And so he's looking at the psalm and applying what you were just talking about earlier, this uh, all is Christ, totus Christus. And Augustine has this wonderful way of interpreting the Psalms using this principle, all is Christ, totos Christus, by saying that when we read the Psalms, uh, it is always Christ speaking. Mm. Uh, Either he is speaking in his own voice or he is speaking uh, or giving us uh, the words to pray with. That is, he's speaking as a member. And so... At the same time, in interpreting a psalm, Augustine would say, using this marriage image, uh, Christ is both speaking as himself, as God, but also speaking as a member of, as, of the church. And mm-hmm. so it's, he says it's amazing. He, he has this line right after what the quote you read. Christ is preaching himself. He is preaching even now in his existing members. So it kind of wow. opens up a whole different way of reading the Psalms. I was going to ask, I mean, this is not uh, St. Augustine getting pronouns confused here. I, <laughs> I had to read the quote a couple of times because he right. talks about himself, the bride. And that sounds right. so foreign to us and yet so true when you look at it through the eyes of, of St. Paul, who he whom he quotes in this here. Exactly. It's. So, again, we, when we take that image, of course, on the one hand, we look at it and we say, okay, Christ is the bridegroom, the church as the bride, and made up of all the different members. But remembering, again, as Augustine shows here, that Christ as both God and man uh, is actually able to do both, right? He is both the bride, but also, as man, he is among the members, and so the union that we see affected here in this uh, bride bridegroom image actually comes together in Christ. All is Christ, totus Christus. So what does this mean for us, Father? 
Like, why is this important for us to understand? Well, I, I think, first of all, again, uh, this is uh, another image that shows us that intimate union between Christ and the Church that Christ has won for us, right, in becoming man and, of course, dying for us and rising. So we're always conscious of this intimate union that we have with him as the Church. Uh, another thing I would say also in the way uh, what we see here, and obviously Paul and Augustine develops it, is the way that each and, and every marriage uh, bride and bridegroom uh, and then family is uh, preaching this intimate union between Christ and the Church. Uh, and I think it's something important for every uh, married couple and every family to think about, that they are, uh, by living out their faith together in that intimate union, uh, demonstrating to the Church, preaching to the Church again and again the reality of our hope, our life, in this intimate union with Christ. That's such an important point, Father. I mean, something that, that I'm not sure that, that we think about so often is how much our marriage, those of us who are married, how much that mm-hmm. speaks to the world, the nature of Christ, um, or, well, <laughs> or maybe not the nature of Christ. And, and, and I think that that's the important mm-hmm. thing to remember here is, is that we are, we are sending out a message about Christ, whether we realize it or not. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think in many ways when we look at, sadly, the kind of crisis in marriage in the world today, or people just not even getting married again, when that, uh, when that witness is lessened or lost, uh, it becomes a crisis in the very identity of the Church. People are not receiving that, uh, that important message, but more than that, not seeing that witness and also not being formed in that witness. So it's just, uh, it's so important in the life of the Church. Well, speaking of that witness, um, I remember having a conversation with my father-in-law once, and he made the point that if Christian marriages aren't strong and faithful, then the world Mm -hmm. will not believe that Christ laid down his life for the Church, for us. Mm. That's a a wonderful statement, and I I think it very much comes through in what we're we're seeing in uh, in this passage here. Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, we, we heard John Paul II. I mean, the church is, I mean, the family is, is kind of the domestic church. It, it is where that, uh, that formation in love that points to Christ and that intimate union uh, takes place first and foremost for us. No pressure, right, Father? <laughs> <laughs> you have the grace of the sacrament, and you have the grace, of course, of the Eucharist as well. So uh, it's not... You've got supernatural aid always. Yeah, he has not left us alone. That is for sure. No. That is for no. sure. We've been talking to Father John Gavin, and you can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate you unpacking this one for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right. It is a 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with Father Patrick Briscoe right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? 
Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. United Auto Workers' strike against the big three U.S. automakers is now reaching a fourth day. Pope Francis has asked for prayers for his upcoming trip at the end of the week to Marseille, France for the Mediterranean meetings. And during his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father stressed that forgiveness is the cure that heals the poisons of resentment. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Pretty convicting stuff from yesterday's first reading. How can you, you know nurse that grudge and then expect to be forgiven rough stuff convicting i'm matt swaim joined now by father patrick briscoe from our sunday visitor you can find them online at our sunday visitor.com and a few other places they've got osv news and some other cool things father good morning hey matt thanks for having me on yeah you wrote recently about the saint michael prayer and it's a prayer beloved to many people, and uh, I figured that uh, this would be a great opportunity for me to ask you, uh, do you say thrust into hell or cast into hell uh, when it comes to uh, that prayer? Yeah, this is one of the great debates, right? I'm a, I'm a cast into hell man. I'm a cast into hell guy, too. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's so funny, some of these, um, these translations that... Uh, that uh, didn't catch on in an official way, right? Where there are those little variations. It is a it is a funny thing that you notice when you recite the prayer alongside someone. 
It is indeed. You know, you can kind of watch people's lips moving. But the sentiment remains the same, no matter which word you use there. Uh, the St. Michael Prayer, uh, of course, it was written by St. Leo. Pope, uh, I'm not not St. Leo, not yet. Yeah, Pope Leo Thirteenth. <laughs> but if, if you could maybe give us a sense of, of why he wrote it, when he wrote it, and what he recommended it for. Yeah, I think what's very interesting is that um, is that this prayer was ordered by Pope Leo XIII to be prayed alongside three Hail Marys and the Hail Holy Queen after Mass. And so the part of the idea was that uh, the, the recitation of this prayer uh, by the Church throughout the world uh, would be a powerful means of combating anti-clericalism, um, which, was a, which was a powerful force in Italy at the time. And so Pope Leo XIII was worried about the temporal freedom of the sovereignty of, of the Holy See. So he asked Catholics to marshal a, a spiritual army against that threat. So, so the prayer was really, was really begun as a threat of secularism, a threat of worldliness, um, again, a threat of anti-clericalism threatening the independence of, of the Holy See. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, you know, that it has to do with sort of this temporal question, because so many of us, uh, when we lean on that St. Michael prayers for something that feels like an entirely spiritual struggle <laughs> that we're going through at the time. Right, and you see, that's what's so interesting, is that you see how Pope Leo understood them to be connected. And I think that the, the anti-clericalism thing is important, too, and because today we, we see so much of a struggle against the priesthood, Right, the, the moral of the, the the moral authority of the priesthood, um, completely undermined by the clerical sexual abuse scandal, uh, the ability for priests to teach um, Catholic doctrine today, uh, again threatened the idea of, of what a priest does as the one who leads worship, the priest leads the people in offering the son sacrifice to the father. So, so we have a number of challenges to the priesthood today. And I think understanding that uh, the Pope Leo XIII ordered the praying of the prayer in part for the protection of the priesthood, I think that's an extremely meaningful thing, and I think I think that's something that that, that we should continue to reflect on. Well, it's certainly something that uh, I reflect on often because I happen to. I mean, I don't know if you know this in my line of work. I, I actually know a lot of priests, and uh, <laughs> I know a lot of them through more than just like their public facing aspects of their ministry. I happen to know a bunch of them as friends, and guess what? Turns out they're like regular old people in a lot of ways, <laughs> right, in terms of the struggles and issues they face. But in some ways, they're not like regular old people because the devil hates them. I mean, he hates them. And if he hates them, think about how much he hates their bosses, the bishops. And if he hates the bishops, think about how much he hates their boss, the pope. I mean, if we're not praying this prayer, man, we're missing an opportunity to invoke the mighty power of God against our worst enemy. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And you know who saw that, Matt, was St. John Paul II. He, he saw that, and he said, um, you know, even though this prayer is no longer recited at the end of Mass, I ask everyone not to forget it. Ask everyone not to forget it. And to obtain help, to recite it, that is, to obtain help in the battle against the forces of darkness and against the spirit of this world. I think that's so incredible because the prayer, the prayer helps helps us um, helps orient us against the battle that we're, tr that we're truly facing against against the spiritual battle. 
you know, it was an early favorite prayer in our family too. And there's something that's sort of rousing about it, right? There's something that sort of like gets up your spirits a little bit and, and gives you kind of like a boost of, of, of confidence and courage. Uh, you know, my son, who's like 11 now, this is one of the earliest prayers that he got excited about after mass. Uh, because if you're a, if you're a kid, right, if you're like a six-year-old boy and you get to pray for St. Michael to kick Satan's butt, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, who, who doesn't have those struggles and want to see Satan put where he belongs? That's right. Get the angel out there carrying the sword. Let's go, baby. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know, you're a, you're a priest when we talk about this idea of praying this for our priests specifically. I mean— would you want to throw out maybe a couple of needs that people might not realize are in the life of priests that we can have in mind when we pray this prayer to St. Michael? Absolutely. I mean, I think one is for one is for the priest um, to be confident in his ministry, um, to be confident in his ministry. And I mean, I mean that he would have the courage to say difficult things to his people, um, because uh, I think a lot of times people misunderstand what it's like for a priest to have to articulated difficult teaching in the church is extremely painful um even even when the priest knows that the truth will be a consolation it's difficult if it's a difficult truth um i think too uh, for priestly fraternity so many priests feel feel alone and even even though they have other friends who are priests and some some priests like like me are lucky enough to religion live in religious communities and sort of have a kind of strength of fraternity a priestly loneliness is a, is a huge challenge so, so I would say those two things, that, that a priest might be able to preach with clarity to his people, even difficult teaching, and that a priest would, wouldn't feel alone, that he would know that heaven's ministers are alongside him, supporting him in his work. I also pray for energy, right, because I know how many of my priest <laughs> friends are just tired. <laughs> They're just tired, uh, we right? Just, we just drink Mystic Mug coffee for that. There you go, lots and lots of coffee. <laughs> Um, and uh, hopefully lots and lots of St. Michael prayers there, too. Father Patrick Briscoe, thank you as always. We've got our Sunday visitor linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Matt. God bless. Another full hour coming up here of the Sunrise Morning Show for many of you listening along. It's three minutes till. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. 
www.engagedencounter.com. Support is from TBN. Weaving its way through the heart of the Holy Land is a well-worn path that once felt the footsteps of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, and Jesus. Host David Friedman and Mike Pompeo take a sacred journey of hope along Route 60, the biblical highway. Experience the land of the Bible as you've never seen it. In theaters September 18th and 19th, Route 60, the biblical highway. Information at Route60.movie. That's Route60.movie. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul Cincinnati answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. I'm Father Ronald Happ from Our Lady of Divine Providence, Family of Parishes. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. this Monday, September the 18th, let's begin with a prayer of St. Anselm of Canterbury in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Lord my God, teach my heart this day where and how to find you. You have made me and remade me, and you have bestowed on me all the good things I possess, and still I do not know you. I have not yet done that for which I was made. Teach me to seek you, for I cannot seek you unless you teach me, or find you unless you show yourself to me. Let me seek you in my desire. Let me desire you in my seeking. Let me find you by loving you, and let me love you when I find you. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here. Many of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and your various affiliates. Some of you listening on uh, apps and streams and the like. However you got here, we're glad you're with us. Uh, you're listening across America. And uh, speaking of across America, this morning we're going to talk to Angie Johnson from Pro-Life Across America. You've heard their spots here. Maybe some of you have even helped them participate uh, and put up uh, billboards, pro-life billboards in your area. Angie will talk about some of the ways you can uh, continue to do so and uh, help spread the joy of life in your community. Brendan Hodge is going to continue our series we've been doing with him on classical education. We'll talk about geography and science and how those two fit into the classical ed picture. Mike Aquilina will join us from fathersofthechurch.com. Also Stephanie Mann with more stories of English martyrs. So do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. President Biden is sending a team to Detroit in an effort to help resolve the strike between the United Auto Workers Union and the big three automakers. The union went on strike last week, demanding better pay and benefits. White House advisor Gene Sperling and acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue are expected to help support talks early this week. The two sides reportedly remain far apart. That, according to a W president, Sean Fain, who has said there has not been much progress in talks with the big three automakers during the ongoing strike. Speaking yesterday on MSNBC, Fain said that progress has been slow as the two sides do continue to meet. Meanwhile, nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike, demanding better pay and pension benefits. President Biden, meanwhile, is in New York ahead of a busy week. He's scheduled to address the United Nations General Assembly tomorrow. Meetings with several world leaders like Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are also on the docket this week. The president will then host Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House on Thursday. This coming as the administration is pushing for Congress for more funding for the country's fight against Russia. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful for prayers for his upcoming visit to Marseille, France. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. As Pope Francis recalled his imminent apostolic visit to Marseille, France, this coming Friday, the Pope offered his closeness to the war-torn people of Ukraine and to all people in lands of war. Pope Francis will make the two-day visit to the southern French city of Marseille this Friday and Saturday to close the so-called Mediterranean meetings, which is gathering bishops and young people from across the Mediterranean from the 17th of September to the 24th. Father had praised the upcoming visit as an opportunity to promote fraternity through these meetings, which will gather representatives from that region. The Pope called the upcoming meetings a beautiful initiative, noting it winds its way through important Mediterranean cities, bringing together ecclesial and civil leaders to promote paths of peace, collaboration, and integration around the Mare Nostrum with special attention to the phenomenon of migration. It represents the Holy Father highlighted a challenge that is not easy, as we see also from the chronicles of these days, but which we must face together. This, he insisted, is essential for the future of all, which will only be prosperous, he noted, if it is built on fraternity, putting human dignity and concrete people first, especially the most needy. He said he already greets all the inhabitants and says he looks forward to meeting so many dear brothers and sisters. The Pope greeted various groups present at the Angelus, and in a special way, he greeted the missionary sisters of the Most Holy Redeemer of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. The Holy Father went on to recall the battered people of Ukraine and once again called for peace in the country being devastated by war and for all countries with wars. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The military is searching for a missing fighter jet. A Marine Corps pilot ejected from an F-35 fighter jet after a mishap yesterday and landed safely in North Charleston, South Carolina. The plane, however, is nowhere to be found. Officials are looking in the area north of Joint Base Charleston near Lake Moultrie and Lake Marion. The base is asking anyone with information on the possible location of the $100 million aircraft to give them a call. 
And returning to the Pope's Angelus address yesterday during his catechesis, the Holy Father preached a message of forgiveness. He told the faithful to think of someone who has hurt them and ask God for the strength to forgive that person. He said that forgiveness can heal the poisons of resentment and restore peace to our hearts. He said forgiving is not a good deed that we can choose to do or not do, but a fundamental condition for those who are Christians. It would be interesting if that was the Pope's idea, except it's it's, uh, it's shot straight through the readings, Yeah, right, from Sirach through Jesus Christ's own teaching yesterday at Mass. Can you, I mean, This isn't one of those optional ones. Oh, my gosh. Not an optional one. What was it? Wrath and anger are things that the sinner holds tight. Mm Mm-hmm. Hugs tight. Hugs, I think, was the word. Yeah, I think it was hugs tight in the I've got a thing you want to hug. Can you? It's not, uh, not a huggable concept, and yet we hug it. Yeah, wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. You know, I was listening to um, a beautiful homily uh, by your friend and mine, uh, Father Jason Beadle. Of course. We had a, a parish visit for, for our local radio station at one of his parishes, St. Luke. And uh, so good morning to anyone from St. Luke who's listening for the first time since uh, our little parish visit yesterday. But he was talking about, like, how do you know if you've forgiven someone? You know, like, it's like because it's not it's not about forgetting the wrong that has been done to you. Right. And, and, And so it's it's kind of difficult to really determine because the pain is still there from whatever has been done. And he said, well. If you're able to pray for that person, then you're probably on the path toward forgiveness. If you're able to desire that person's spot in heaven, then you're probably on the path to forgiveness. If you still want that person to burn in hell, then, then maybe you've got some work to do. case of, of not being forgiving. Right. So and you want to, I thought that that was really helpful. That's a good metric. Yeah. It's a good metric. So I wish I had heard the homily. So yesterday we had the early mass, mm-hmm. and then in between we had our CIA, mm-hmm. and then we had the later mass. Uh, mm-hmm. The blessing for the catechists was at the later mass. I normally go to the early one, but I came in at the tail end of the early one. I'm like, that voice sounds familiar. Who's celebrating the, the 830 mass around here? You know who it was? Who? Father John Tregilio. What? Of Open Line on EWC. Father John Tregilio was at was your like, parish on what Sunday? Wow. I was like, hey, Father, we've never met in person, but. Yeah. Man, here cool. I thought I was. A I wish I could have caught his homily Father. on this. Wish I was. A, that's pretty awesome. Indeed. I'm kind of jealous. It's nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and it's great to catch up with Angie Johnson from Pro Life Across America. You can find them online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Angie, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for so, having me on. Yeah, and a lot of our listeners are familiar with your work uh, doing billboards and uh, the spots that you run. But if you could give us a little overview, remind us what Pro-Life Across America is about and how you got involved with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was started by my mom. She is the founder and actually my dad, too. Um, In 1989, they started um, Pro-Life Minnesota here um, in Minnesota, and it was straight out of our home. So I grew up, you know, a part of the mission. (laughs) As a kid, we would you know, help um, with anything my parents needed. And so it was very, it's very close, um, near and dear to my my heart, given that it is to theirs, obviously. So 
Um, yeah, it started in 1989, and very quickly, um, just the first couple billboards that were um, shown in Minnesota ended up reaching um, to people across several states um, in the United States. And so um, they changed the name to Pro-Life Across America because we're now in 46 different states across the U.S., um, and my mom is still very, very involved. She's our director, and so I work for her. Um, and I've helped to do um, placing of the billboards, designing the billboards, um, our website work, um, kind of more of the marketing side of things, but definitely in kind of her right, right hand, <laughs> um, helping to keep the mission going. So, um, yeah, we, we not only do billboards, but we also do radio ads, um, TV streaming, and we do a lot of web ads as well. So um, who would have thought that in 1989 when um, they just put up one black and white billboard that um, just, you know, 30-some years later they'd be doing about 14,000 billboards across the United States. That's pretty incredible, and it shows kind of the the support that's come from uh, so many different areas of the country who want to put a positive encouraging, uplifting, life-affirming message out there. And, you know, it really is pretty important to do that because, you know, we're heading up on a November, and every year there's another issue, whether it's a a major election or a minor election or just some issues on the ballot. And the the question gets so reduced to abstract political terms. Uh, But for most of us, where the rubber hits the road, we're not making a political decision when we say yes to life, right? We're making a a family-based decision. And, you know, I really appreciate the way that you try and keep that part of the conversation active and live because it gets so lost in so many of the debates and the heated arguments. Yeah, absolutely. Our our mission is really um, to keep those messages positive, like you said, joyful. Um, Keep them joyful. And really, it was my mom and dad's Um, you know, that was really what they kind of set out to do from the beginning. We've had people ask us to show um, kind of more of the gruesome images, and we've really stuck stuck with our mission to to not do that, to really be a conduit um, for those life-affirming clinics. So when a woman calls in or a man calls in and is asking for help, we're really the conduit to those life-affirming clinics. So we um, tip our hats to, to those people working because, um, you know, our billboards are across the U.S., but our hotline number is on every single one of our ads. And so when we answer that phone call, um, we use our, you know, uh, we guide them and we um, give them, you know, counseling and we send them off to those clinics. And um, it's great when we get those phone calls back to kind of say, like, I'm so glad you answered that phone because, I, I was gonna. I was scheduled for an abortion, and now I um, I was able to see an ultrasound, and I was able to choose life. So that's really our our mission is just to be a conduit to make sure that um, women, men, um, anyone needing help um, is able to get life affirming help at um, those those cl- a clinic near them. Um, and it's going to be harder and harder going forward to do that, given what they're doing. Um, now to those clinics, making it harder and harder to have those clinics be known, um, what Google's doing, and everything like that. So um, we've heard a lot of messages that just, you know, our billboards are saving babies and getting women and men the help that they need. Um, And my mom always likes to share this, um, 40% of our callers are men. Um, And I think that's just very telling that, um, 
they're there to support women and they want to know what they can do to help save their baby too. So it isn't always just women. It, um, it is men too. So, um, yeah. Well, if you've been around for 30 years, I imagine that your parents know people that they helped in the nineties who have grandchildren now that they would not have had if that phone line (laughs) hadn't been available. Yeah, no, exactly. We get letters from people. That's so funny that you say that because we do get letters from people saying, um, I saw your billboard and I didn't think it would affect me at the time. I didn't think anything of it until 10 years later, you know, my girlfriend or my wife and we didn't think we could have number three and we wanted an abortion and I only thought of your your billboard. Um, or, you know, letters from women way back um, and saying, I'm still affected by my abortion. And I remember I love seeing your signs and I know that they're helping other women making those choices. Um, and, you know, when they do call in, we send them off to get post-abortion assistance. And that I think is um, also very healing. There's a lot of people out there who do need healing after after this sort of thing. And it's, it's amazing to hear their stories, to just know that, you know, every time you pass a billboard, one of our billboards, I always pray that it's reaching someone, whether it's after, whether it's before, whether it's down the line, we don't know when they will be, when they'll need to hear that message, but it's the facts that they keep in their head, you know, that a baby has a heartbeat at 18 days and they remember that. So well, very cool. Well, thank you for all your work to keep this ministry going uh, with your family starting at 30 years ago. Angie Johnson, if our listeners want to be a part of your work with Pro-Life Across America, uh, perhaps they're involved with their local pregnancy center, and this is one more way to help direct people towards that. Uh, what's a good place for people to find you and uh, connect with your apostolate? Yeah, um, they can go to our website. It's prolifeacrossamerica.org, and we would love them to join us on Facebook as well. Um, please, please pray for us because um, donations have been really down since the whole Roe v. Wade was overturned. We celebrated, we rejoiced with that, but I think people have become very, um, you know, just they think the fight's over, and we know we know that that's not true. Um, and so, yeah, please join us. We're targeting a lot of our ads at certain states who are making um, really um, they're. They're making very interesting choices, and uh, we're seeing a lot of people who understand that, and they want to put their donation towards certain states like South Dakota, and we're able to do that for them, and it's it's great to see that. But um, we definitely need prayers, so we would appreciate any prayers, donations, support that you can give us would be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. You can find Pro-Life Across America linked in our show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got headlines coming up next. It's 17 minutes past the hour. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. 
For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon, you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify him in everything that I do and become the person he wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. 19 past. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. President Biden will be sending a team to Detroit in an effort to resolve the strike between the United Auto Workers Union and the big three automakers. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful for prayers for his upcoming visit to Marseille, France, and in his catechesis spoke of the importance of forgiveness. Anna Mitchell tonight at 8 Eastern on EWTN and most of these EWTN radio affiliates. Uh, The Journey Home, hosted by John Mark Grodi. Tonight's Mm -hmm. guest, Sharon Ripley, who, uh, like many people, was raised Catholic but left the church in her teens and uh, found kind of a renewed interest in faith and a kind of an invigorated interest in faith through an AME community, African Methodist Episcopal. Um, Even got ordained into ministry there and... Kept on feeling that call back to the sacraments. So it's uh, it's always kind of fun when you have someone who was Catholic and then they left and then they get ordained in another denomination, but then they come back. Because often we hear people who are their right. whole lives Raised, in denomination. Like Protestant, yeah. Right. So she's she's got a boomerang story. Wow. Catch it tonight, cool. Sharon Ripley boomerang. on the journey home. Subscribe. Yes, by clicking the red subscribe button at sacredheartradio.com, you'll get an email with our show notes with the list of guests you'll hear that day on the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith. You'll also get the links to books, articles, and websites we've discussed and the full podcast with markers to find and hear the interview again. So to know when your favorite guests are on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. 
St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Brandon Hodge back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, which is a novel from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar as well. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And we are continuing to look at Dorothy L. Sayers' ideas about classical education. So last time we looked specifically at history and why that is foundational to the formation of a student today. We're going to take a look at the subjects of geography, science, and math. Now, first off, just give us an overview of how she looks at these subjects and the way that they help form the foundation for students to learn in the future. So when she's talking about the foundation, the grammatical stage for students, so these are students who are in maybe like the second through the fifth grade kind of ages. She's really talking about this age when children have this sponge-like eagerness to soak up uh, facts and the way that things fit together. And so with geography, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to picture. This is an age when children can often be really interested in maps. And so this is a great time to be learning where different countries are, so countries, capitals, and then also major features like oceans, mountain ranges, and the way that the physical geography shapes uh, the way that countries fit together and the history of those countries that they read about because they're, they're connections between the geography of our world and history. In science, this is a time when kids often love things like dinosaurs and planets, and so it's a great time for learning species and the way that you – what does it mean to say that uh, two different types of animals are different? Will a cat and a dog ever have sort of kitten puppies together and why not uh so it's a great time for learning kind of those basic physical rules and the constellations uh the planets all those things that fit together and then in mathematics it, it might seem like a much different more abstract thing but again here we learn the basic geometrical shapes we learn the basic rules for how numbers work together and then you start to learn the system for how we get from uh basic rules about how a shape works to uh, the way that you you do geometrical operations or the basic ways that the number line or number families work into mathematical operations. And you start to see how those pieces fit together, just like the, the pieces in a Lego set, and you can make complex structures out of them. Yeah, okay. So I want to take the conversation to a higher level now that we have that, that groundwork laid. 
Um, because some people listening might wonder why these topics would be discussed on a Catholic radio show like this. You know, this has no bearing on my faith. But actually, Brendan, I think there's something to be said about a child understanding order. Could you talk about that in light of these subjects? Well, I, I think that as Christians, we believe that God created the world and he holds the world in existence through his act of the will. So in a sense, the world is an expression of God's order. And so we learn about God as we learn about the world. But I think there's there's an even deeper point to why we need to start thinking about a specifically Christian and Catholic way of learning things like math and science in our current culture. Because for a long time, it seemed like you could have a Catholic school where you just used exactly the same lessons on science that the public schools did. And what you did that was different is you said, but of course, we know that God created the world, and then you would transition into religion class. And things could be sort of compartmentalized that way. But today, what we're seeing is that the, the radical relativism that maybe 20 years ago people were just talking about in terms of morality has crept into the way that people think about science. And so we have people who don't even believe that male and female are basic things, and they're not just confused about this in a moral sense. They're confused about it in a scientific sense. Mm -hmm. And so I think we increasingly need to do what what secular schools may not be doing or where, where they may actually be undermining education uh, in teaching people how to really think about how the physical world works, what things are similar, what things are different, and what things are and are not compatible. And uh, we may be the only ones who are still holding on to this sense of reality, and so we really need to learn to teach it to our children, or we'll lose them before we even know what's going on. Right. You know, I remember having this conversation with a teacher at my kid's school who was saying, you know, out in the real world, so to speak, you know, talking about I mean, all of the stuff that you were just mentioning there. And I said, no, actually, I know you think about our world as like this little Catholic bubble, but we are the ones who are actually living in the real world. We are the ones that are actually living in reality and accepting reality for what it is. I mean, I can't believe that this even needs to be said, Brendan, but can you comment on this, that these sort of foundational things really undermine the prevailing cultural idea that that there is no truth? It, it really does. And I mean, I think you see this starting to even break out in secular spaces. So what you start to see is actual biologists, people who are working in science, having arguments over things like, um, can you determine that a, a person or even an animal is male or female based on its ability to reproduce as a male or female, or do you have to address this whole constellation of secondary sexual characteristics that people use to define gender in this very fluid way so that they can then talk about picking gender and being the right gender and whether you feel like you're your gender. And as we see this coming into science, it's really breaking down the ability of people to even have rational conversations on these topics. So uh, having a new way to learn about this, which is rooted in truth, is very, very important. A new way. <laughs> It's really the way, old way. The ancient world. <laughs> <laughs> and yet so new, ever ancient, ever new. That's always how we look at things here on the Sunrise Morning Show. That is for sure. You can find the Darwin Catholic blog linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge. Brendan, thank you so much.
Thank you. You can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three U.S. automakers has reached a fourth day now. Reports say the union met with Ford and GM over the weekend and a meeting with Stellantis is scheduled for today. UAW President Sean Fain told MSNBC yesterday that progress has been slow. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri, and they're demanding better pay and pension benefits. Meanwhile, Ford has laid off 600 employees at its assembly plant in Wayne, Michigan, as the UAW strike continues. Michael Kastner has more. The automaker announced the layoffs on Friday. Meanwhile, General Motors will idle its Fairfax assembly plant in Kansas, putting 2,000 people out of work. The strike at the Wenzel, Missouri assembly plant is being blamed for the move. UAW President Sean Fain says the automakers laying off people who are not on strike is putting the squeeze on the union to settle for less. I'm Michael Kastner. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says good progress is being made in talks to avoid a government shutdown. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, McCarthy said that Republicans wanted to change Washington when they took the majority and that he's never seen anyone win a shutdown. McCarthy faces challenges in passing a stopgap funding bill as it appears he lacks the votes to keep the government open beyond September 30th. Pope Francis has asked for prayers for his upcoming trip to Marseille, France. The Holy Father will travel there at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. He's called it an opportunity to promote fraternity. In his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel and stressed the importance of forgiveness. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. The Pope explained that the number seven in the Bible is a number that indicates completeness, and therefore, Peter, he said, was very generous in the assumptions of his question. But Jesus, Pope Francis observes, goes further and answers him, I do not say to you up to seven, but up to 77. Jesus tells him, the Pope recalled, that when you forgive, do not calculate. It is good to forgive everything and always, he said. God, Pope Francis continued, has done this with us. Likewise, he noted, those who administer God's forgiveness are called to do the same, namely to forgive always. Perdonare sempre. Jesus' message, the Pope continued, is clear. God forgives incalculably, exceeding all measure. God acts out of love and gratuitousness, the Pope said, observing we cannot repay him. Forgiveness is therefore not a good deed that one can do or not do. The Pope said that this constitutes a fundamental condition for those who are Christians, noting God has given his life for us and in no way can we compensate for his mercy. However, by corresponding to his gratuitousness, that is by forgiving one another, the Pope said, we can bear witness to him, sowing new life around us for outside of forgiveness he said there is no hope. Outside of forgiveness, he said there is no peace. Forgiveness, the Holy Father argued, is the oxygen that purifies the air polluted by hatred. It is the antidote that heals the poisons of resentment, and it is the way to diffuse anger and heal so many diseases of the heart that contaminate society. Let us try now, each one of us, he said, to think of a person who has hurt us, and let us ask the Lord for the strength to forgive them, and let us forgive them out of love for the Lord. The Pope said it will do us good. It will restore peace in our hearts. 
I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The United Nations says the death toll from flooding in northeastern Libya is now up to at least 11,300 and another 10,000 people are still missing just in the devastated city of Derna. Rescuers are clawing through debris in the city on the Mediterranean coast trying to find survivors and buildings torn apart by last week's unprecedented flooding. Historic rainfall last Sunday and Monday caused two dams to break, unleashing millions of cubic meters of flood water through the city. Illinois is officially the first state in the nation to abolish cash bail. Beginning today, cash bail will be eliminated for the majority of criminal defendants awaiting trial. The change is part of the landmark Safety Act. The Illinois Supreme Court upheld the law in July after dozens of states' attorneys generals challenged it. It's 35 past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com. skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino, Monday, September the 18th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to be a nice fall-like day today. Right now, temperatures in the lower to mid-50s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be partly cloudy and pleasant today with a high of 76 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with the possibility of some patchy fog and an overnight low of 52. Mostly sunny and pleasant again tomorrow with a high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a mix of clouds and sun today and a high of 73 degrees. Clearing with some fog possible tonight and an overnight low around 50. Partly cloudy skies tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Mike Aquilina from FathersOfTheChurch.com. You can find his Way of the Fathers podcast at CatholicCulture.org. Mike, good morning. Morning, Matt. You know, we've been talking lately about various cities that were extremely important in the early church, and today we get to talk to uh, talk about Antioch. And actually, Antioch is an important city in the New Testament. But before we get to that. Uh, what kind of city was Antioch before Christianity arrived there? It was a very important city. It was a military center, commercial center. It was uh, it was a religious center. It was an important center of Judaism. Uh, it had been established as a city on the Orontes River by by the general Seleucus. 
who was one of the the great generals under under Alexander the Great uh, when he was conquering the world. And so uh, this is this is uh, the seat of of the little empire that Seleucus ended up with. It it was uh, it was important for every reason. It was a, a cultural center and it was a military center, economic center, as I said, and. Um, and and uh, and there were many Jews there. Uh, the 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 people of Judea, the Jews of Judea, um, were uh, were helpful to Seleucus in establishing the city, and so he gave them a favored status in the city. So the Jewish culture there was um, was was very well established by the time of our Lord, uh, and um, and it was. Uh, it was it was uh, it was it was thriving. There were several synagogues by that time, and some of them were beautiful. Some of them were were uh, architectural marvels. It said, and um, and uh, King Herod, of course, uh, built a good portion of the uh, of the city, and he uh, he established something there. Uh, it, it was a boulevard. Uh, with with uh, that was a, that was a shopping mall really an outdoor shopping mall and it and it was uh, it was a very long street and it was lined with street lamps and this was the first time in antiquity that these uh, were were put into use street lamps and so it really did transform the city and it, and um and it transformed the empire because soon any serious city needed to have one of these boulevards lined with street lamps, and suddenly there was nightlife in the cities. So one of the great inventions of Antioch was nightlife. You could go out at night, be be uh, relatively safe, and uh, and you could even do some shopping. It's pretty interesting. And, uh, of course, even the Chicago Cubs have nightlights at this point. So uh, <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit. I mean, anybody who pays attention to the first readings from Mass during the Easter season already knows the answer to this question, but how early does Christianity get to Antioch? Well, right away, really, and, and that's a natural thing. There would have been a lot of trade between Antioch and Jerusalem. This this is something that would have happened naturally because of the um, because of the the short distance between the two, and also because of the uh, the cultural affinity. You know, again, there was a large Jewish community there, uh, and and so this would have this would have been a regular thing to 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 have traffic moving in that direction, and then back to Jerusalem. Uh, we find in the Acts of the Apostles that uh, that when when uh, uh, you know the boot comes down when the persecution begins uh, some of some of the the people following the way of Jesus fled to Antioch right and they uh they they brought the faith there and they 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 spread the faith there uh so much so that that the people of Antioch needed a name for this group who uh who were growing out of the synagogue but were quite distinctive from uh from the other Jews in the city and so it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christian uh, this isn't too long after the ascension of our lord and it was Antioch the city that bestowed that name that we still bear today after all these millennia yeah it is a powerful thing you know you almost get chills when you hear it uh read from the book of acts the the followers of jesus were first called christians at antioch you know it's like ah wow it's like an origin mm -hmm. story yeah it's like the first time you hear tony stark referred to as iron man or something it's like this really kind of stirring thing it's like wow uh you know this is us this is our origin story as it were yes um but when it comes to antioch i, I mean we've got some great saints uh ignatius of antioch immediately comes to mind and we've talked oh, about him yeah. a number of times before but Antioch is one of those 
places as early as Christianity got there, it sure did change hands between a lot of empires and became a battleground for a lot of things in history from that point forward, didn't it? Yeah, Antioch was a hotbed for Christian thought because it was a hotbed for thought. You know, and uh, and this is this is what happened naturally. Uh, the, the, there was a certain vigor to Christianity from the beginning. So you find great, great intellectual figures like Ignatius of Antioch, who's a who's just a wonderful writer. We possess seven of his letters that give us, you know, a kind of a window into what life looked like in the city of Antioch and in all the cities of the empire around the year 107 A.D. Uh, and after him, we have Theophilus. So we have uh, an apologist in all of the stages of Christian development. We have major Antiochian writers. Uh, eventually, uh, there are heresies that arise in Antioch, and because of the position of Antioch on the world scene, they become influential heresies, unfortunately. Uh, but but some of them had their their really epicenter. They had their epicenter there. Um, so you have. Uh, you, you have teachers in Antioch in the third century uh, coming up with this idea that Jesus was just a creature, that he was uh, subordinate to the Father in every way, uh, that he was not co-equal or co-eternal with the Father. And so, so these ideas eventually reach uh, a student named uh, Arius. Who, who came possibly from Libya to Antioch to do his studies. And it, Arius brought those ideas back to Alexandria, where the Arian heresy took hold and eventually spread throughout the empire. But the ideas began in Antioch. It was Arius who found ways to make them catchy and to bring them to the whole empire. Uh, uh, you know, there's great fi there are so many great figures uh, who... Um, who who were there in Antioch, you know, and John Chrysostom comes immediately to mind, perhaps the, the greatest preacher of all time, of all Christian history, and he first thundered from those pulpits in Antioch. And then the great anti-Christian, Julian, the apostate, who left behind Christianity to to uh, to try to repaganize the empire when he became emperor. He made Antioch the base of his operations, but because of the vigor of the local uh, church, he was unable to do it. You know, they openly mocked him when he spoke. So Antioch has this storied history, you know, when you think about the fathers of the church. So many great events, so many, so many mighty figures, and, uh, and so much drama. Well, thank you so much, Mike Aquilina from fathersofthechurch.com. Find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got headlines coming up next. It's 16 Till. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 14 till. Here's Anna with headlines. The United Auto Workers strike against the big three automakers has reached a fourth day now. During his Angeles address yesterday, Pope Francis asked for prayers for his upcoming trip to Marseille, France, which will take place at the end of this week. And his catechesis reflected on the Sunday gospel, stressing the importance of forgiveness, saying it can restore peace to our hearts. It sure can. If only I would uh, take that to heart and actually live that, it might actually make a difference. I know, right? Imagine that. So, Anna Mitchell, I mentioned before, uh, tonight at 8 Eastern on The Journey Home, which you see on EWTN television. You can stream it for free if you don't have cable. If you're like me, I don't have cable. Yeah, me either. I go to EWTN.com. You can stream it for free. Uh, But you can also listen on a great many of these EWTN radio affiliate stations, 8 p.m. Eastern this evening, The Journey Home. Sharon Ripley, our guest uh, tonight. She was a former African Methodist Episcopal minister, some of you familiar with the AME Church. Uh, She said something that stuck with me, and I just wanted to share it with you, Anna Mitchell. Okay. Before I forget. So uh, she talked about how uh, people in your town may have driven past your church but don't know anything about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And some of those people will be driving past your church when you are walking out of Mass. Right. So the question is, what will the expression they see on your face as you walk out tell them about what you experienced in there? Probably that my children <laughs> were... It's meant to be rhetorical, but... <laughs> that she's exhausted that from she's keeping her children in the pew. But does it say? Do people say, "Man, I wish I, I wish I had what those people have who are coming out of there"? Yeah, I don't know. It's I a good so. thing. It's a good thing to, to reflect upon. Mm-hmm. Well, Got I hope that people least. reflect upon the fact that you know young families are coming out of the church. They're like, "Oh, that's where the party's at." Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Or they'll see they'll see you coming out, Anna Mitchell, and they'll think, "You know, I was worried about going to church because I feel like my kids will be a distraction." And then they drive past and they're like, "Oh, wait." If they let that lady go there, maybe maybe we're fine. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. She's the author of Supremacy and Survival, How Catholics Endured the English Reformation. You can find her blog of the same name linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. 
So today we get to talk about Blessed John Duckett and yes. uh, Blessed Ralph Corby. Now, uh, there are probably some people who aren't very familiar with these names. You know, once we get into the Blesseds on the list of the Martyrs of England yes. and Wales, they get a little bit, uh, you know, into that fuzzy area. But what do we know about them and what mem- what mementos do we have from them? Right. Well, Father Bowden gives us four mementos uh, on F- Father uh, Duckett and then Three of those mementos also include Father Ralph Corby, uh, who was a Jesuit priest. Uh, the, the Blessed's, of course, were were the, these gentlemen were beatified by Pope Pius the Eleventh, uh, but there were lots of Blessed's beatified by Pope John Paul II in I think it was 1985 in the 1980s. But anyway, so these men are actually now we're in usually we're in the Tudor era when we talk about martyrs, especially the Forty Martyrs. But this is in the English Civil War era, when uh, Cromwell's Parliament, parliamentary Puritans were fighting King Charles the uh, First, uh, Anglican and, and some Catholic uh, Cavaliers. So these uh, men were still working in the missionary field, still serving Catholics, but in a vastly different uh, time of of English history because the, the the country was at war, at civil war, and so. The first, the first uh, priest had been there for about 12 years, Father Ralph Corby. He was a Jesuit priest. And the uh, other priest, Father uh, John Duckett, had only been there for a year. And Father John was the one that, that uh, in a way, Father Bowden pays the most attention to because he gives him – he's in all four of the mementos uh, about their, their uh, journey to martyrdom. He's only been there a year. He is captured when he's with two gentlemen on the way to baptize a couple of children. I don't know if they were infants or at least they were Catholic children to be baptized. And what I think one of the signs that were not in the Tudor era was he was tortured to reveal his priesthood. They they found oils and certain things in his uh, packet to, to identify that maybe he was a priest. They used matches lit between his fingers to try to get him to tell that he was a priest and he he did not he he endured that torture but the reason that he finally admitted that he was a priest and therefore subject to death under english law was that they started threatening the two laymen that were with him and they were going to send them off to prison or and to to uh who knows what kind of uh treatment they would receive at that time and so he confessed yes i am a priest let those men go and so father bowden it uses the line from uh, the agony in the garden at the garden of gethsemane when jesus says if therefore seek ye me let these go on their way so he admitted that he was a catholic priest to save others so that's one of the most poignant of the uh, examples that father bowden gives about father corby and then when he talks about I mean, excuse me, Father Duckett. Then when he talks about Ralph Corby, his history was very interesting because his family was Catholic. They went to Ireland. They left England to go to Ireland so they could practice their faith more freely. And then he became a, a Jesuit priest and returned. And the whole family, in fact, became religious. His mother and father each went off to religious orders. Uh, he uh, uh to, he went to the father went to the religious to the society of jesus and all three sons went to the society of jesus so father corby had been in in england for quite some years and been serving and the next story that he gives about 
the, the Father Bowden tells about these two men is that they ended up in prison together and they had a chance. There was one chance for one of them to, to be uh, involved in a prisoner exchange and they both refused on the grounds that Father Corby said, well, uh, you're young, Father Duckett, you stay and uh, you get released and I'll, I'll stay in prison. And Father uh, Duckett said, no, no, that can't be because you, you have such such more uh, experience and you've been serving the people so long. So no, you should be free. And so they both stay in prison. So uh, you wonder, behold, what manner of charity the Father has bestowed upon us is the phrase. But you wonder what the Puritan authorities thought. You know, you have a chance to get out and you're, you're both dropping it and, and staying in prison and facing certain death. Well, so those are two of the death, best mementos. Yeah, that, that certain death did come at uh, Tyburn Tree, yes. and we've got uh, an account of that as well, right? Yes, and that was very beautiful too. They they prepared they had prepared for their executions by making sure that their tonsures were clean, and so they they are and they they're in their uh, priest cassocks and in the and habits, and so they go to the to, to Tyburn Tree. They make no speech except that Father Duckett says that uh, he had come hither not to be taught his religion, but to die for it. And then Father Corby and Duckett in, in, turned to each other, embraced each other. And therefore, the phrase, the, the scripture that uh, Father Bowden uses is, salute one another with a holy kiss. All the saints salute you from St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. So these these three mementos, I think, were just so beautiful about the the camaraderie that the, the two priests shared in the midst of all that danger and suffering and the care they that especially in the case of, of father duckett the blessed father duckett the care he took for the families and the, for the men who'd been captured with him he was also concerned about those who were in the area especially just think they could say follow the uh, torture those men to find out where the families were that were waiting the baptism of their babies so he sacrificed himself for the sake of those laity and those families so that they would stay safe in this dangerous period of English history for Catholics and for everyone really in the midst of a civil war. It's a powerful story and, uh, you know, kind of made all the more powerful in some ways because neither one of them was willing to <laughs> to give up the mission uh, as it, right. as it were. Um, I mean, they, they both had a had an out and neither one of them took it and they ended yeah. up um, being martyred together and we have that account that, yes. that record so uh i mean two more great intercessors to invoke blessed john duckett yes. blessed ralph yeah. corby pray for us pray for us pray for uh, us Amen. and of course you can read more at supremacy and survival which is stephanie's blog and it's linked at sunrise morning show.com stephanie thank you as always for finding these stories of thank incredible uh, heroic martyrs that uh, a lot of us have never heard of before yes they're they're beautiful stories thank you they are indeed. We're back again tomorrow for our EWT and listening family. In the meantime, I'm Matt Swain for Anna Mitchell and all of our guests. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Where can you read how to be in the world but not 
of the world and how to trust that our prayers will be answered by thanking God ahead of time. Where can you see Sacred Heart Radio engaged in our Catholic community? And what our survey says about what's important to you. Where can you get the elder football schedule, our updated program schedule, and more? In Sacred Heart Radio's autumn newsletter. To get your copy, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on newsletter sign up. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Molly Made of Westchester. Insured, screened, and drug-free employees deliver service with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing you care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries including custom-made, one-of-a-kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Hi, I'm Guy Cagney with the Cagney Family and Coble Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. Our Catholic faith is the center of our family life and how we do our real estate business. Hope that you and your family will remain safe and healthy this year. 513-347-1888. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug tested, and background checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. I am Father Rufino Ezama, the Provincial Superior of the Comboni Missionaries. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Our way on this Monday, September the 18th, and it's the feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino. So let's begin this hour praying through his intercession in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph of Cupertino, patron saint of students, saint of joy, master of prayer, enchanted by the gospel and the Eucharist, accept my prayer with kindness. You who always face the difficulties of life, without ever straying from the divine will to which you adhered with constant faith and commitment. Now understand the special state of mind in which I find myself 
and intercede with our Lord so that he may grant me the grace I so need. Let me feel the divine presence and help me with your example to follow his will. Trusting your protection, I renew with much faith my intention of gratitude and goodwill, and I confide in your support through Christ our Lord. Amen. O great St. Joseph of Cupertino, who did while on earth obtain from God the grace to be asked at your examination, only the questions you knew, obtain for our students a like favor and examinations for which they are now preparing. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Hour 3 of the Sunrise Morning Show here exclusively for our Sacred Heart Radio audience listening on 7.40 a.m. and 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online or via the Sunrise Morning Show app. A very special good morning to any parishioner from St. Luke in Beaver Creek. Happy that you are listening after our parish visit last week. Or last week. Well, I guess I was last. No. Sunday begins our week. Sunday is the first day of the week. So, it was good to see you yesterday, is what I meant to say. <laughs> okay. It is a Monday. I'm Anna Mitchell. Paul Lockman will be along with a sports report coming up after the news, even though I don't think he wants to talk about it. But, you know, it is what it is. Father Rob Jack joining us on the Sunrise Morning Show today to... Uh, Continue looking at how to speak Catholic, talking about natural and supernatural. What do those words mean? Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo will join us as well. The Feast of St. Matthew coming up on Thursday. And we're going to be talking about the Caravaggio painting, The Calling of St. Matthew. So uh, if you're sitting at a computer screen, pull that up so that you can look at it while we're talking to him a little later this hour. Dr. Benjamin Lewis will join us from the International Committee on English in the Liturgy. And we're going to be talking about how they've been um, working on a new translation, a revised translation of the Liturgy of the Hours, and particularly the hymns. And then we will talk more about what's been going on with the uh, National Eucharistic Congress and the National Eucharistic Revival with Sister Alicia Torres at the end of the hour. Hope you can stick around for it. Right now it's three minutes past and news is a service to Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. President Biden is sending a team to Detroit in an effort to resolve the strike between the United Auto Workers Union and the big three automakers. The union went on strike last week demanding better pay and benefits. White House advisor Gene Sperling and acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue are expected to help support talks early this week. The two sides reportedly remain far apart. Nearly 13,000 auto workers remain on strikes at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says good progress is being made in talks to avoid a government shutdown. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, McCarthy said that Republicans wanted to change Washington when they took the majority and that he's never seen anyone, quote, win a shutdown. McCarthy does face challenges in passing a stopgap funding bill. As it appears, he lacks the votes to keep the government open beyond September 30th. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful for prayers for his upcoming visit to Marseille, France. 
From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. As Pope Francis recalled his imminent apostolic visit to Marseille, France, this coming Friday, the Pope offered his closeness to the war-torn people of Ukraine and to all people in lands of war. Pope Francis will make the two-day visit to the southern French city of Marseille this Friday and Saturday to close the so-called Mediterranean meetings, which is gathering bishops and young people from across the Mediterranean from the 17th of September to the 24th. Venerdì, mi richiedo Marsiglia. Holy Father had praised the upcoming visit as an opportunity to promote fraternity through these meetings, which will gather representatives from that region. The Pope called the upcoming meetings a beautiful initiative, noting it winds its way through important Mediterranean cities, bringing together ecclesial and civil leaders to promote paths of peace, collaboration, and integration around the Mare Nostrum with special attention to the phenomenon of migration. It represents the Holy Father highlighted a challenge that is not easy, as we see also from the chronicles of these days, but which we must face together. This, he insisted, is essential for the future of all, which will only be prosperous, he noted, if it is built on fraternity, putting human dignity and concrete people first, especially the most needy. He said he already greets all the inhabitants and says he looks forward to meeting so many dear brothers and sisters. The Pope greeted various groups present at the Angelus, and in a special way, he greeted the missionary sisters of the Most Holy Redeemer of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. The Holy Father went on to recall the battered people of Ukraine and once again called for peace in the country being devastated by war and for all countries with wars. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. During his Angelus Address catechesis, the Holy Father preached a message of forgiveness. The Pope told the faithful to think of someone who has hurt them, and ask God for the strength to forgive that person. He said, forgiveness can heal the poisons of resentment and restore peace to our, to our hearts. He said, forgiving is not a good deed that we can choose to do or not do, but a fundamental condition for those who are Christians. And the military is looking for a missing fighter jet. A Marine Corps pilot ejected from an F-35B Lightning II after a mishap yesterday and landed safely in North Charleston, South Carolina. The plane, however, is nowhere to be found. Officials are looking in the area north of Joint Base Charleston near Lake Moultrie and Lake Marion. The base is asking anyone who has information on the possible location of this $100 million aircraft to give them a call. Wow. Okay, I'm really, really glad that this soldier is okay, that this Marine is okay. Well, now that's that we, awesome. Yeah, especially How if we How do know you that. lose a plane? Well, that's my theory. Like, did I'm, it land in a lake? I'm kind of going with the uh, finder's keepers uh, mentality. You know, if, uh, if I find that thing, I'm not sure I'm going to be eager okay, to give anyone a call. But, I mean, you know, chances are they're gonna you're find not going to be able to hide that. Yeah, and if I take it on a nice joyride, I have to uh, I have to alert uh, have you know, air feeling, traffic control and all that stuff. I was to say, I have a feeling if this pilot ejected from it, right? There's it's actually, probably not drivable, Paul. Yeah, flyable, so, flyable. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're right because then I'm missing the eject seat myself. Yeah, and so you probably need that. You probably want you that. You definitely yeah. need that. You ain't kidding. But it'd be cool, you know. Maybe I mean, you I know, get it. No. Maybe anyway. But I don't know. I'll keep you keep you posted on updates to that story. I'm fascinated. Yeah, I'm fascinated. 
8.08 now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Sports on Sacred Heart Radio brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. All right, here we go again. Bengals back in an 0-2 hole to start the season following a 27-24 loss to the Ravens at home. Uh, Didn't look good, but the Bengals offense did score a few touchdowns. Joe Burrow connected with T. Higgins not once but twice. Uh, Baltimore, though, they picked up the win. Burrow finished with 222 yards. Does seem like he's still a little bit banged up with that calf injury. So uh, Bengals will host the Rams on Monday. And open up a six-point favorite. So they've been favorites in uh, both games so far. Let's go to the only good news I have. And it's only good news for Anna Mitchell. Ohio State won 63-10 to over the weekend yeah, over did. Western Kentucky. If you're a Bearcat fan, that didn't go well either. Uh, they lost uh, their first game of the year in overtime, 31-24. Maybe there's some Miami of Ohio fans that are celebrating. The Red Hawks stunned the Bearcats and... Uh, not a good game to lose if you're you see the next game up Oklahoma. Oh, I know, uh, so man. That'll be that'll be fun. Oklahoma comes to town. As for Reds news, Reds dropped their series finale to the Mets eight four. Though uh, they did win the first two in uh, New York. Oh, okay, good. The Arizona Diamondbacks, on the other hand, they swept the Cubs. Ugh. So uh, that's kind of good and bad. Yeah. Um, the Reds still just outside that wild card spot, but we're not chasing the Diamondbacks anymore. We're chasing the Cubs, so, but we're not we're not far. So okay. there's only I just I haven't been following this like I really should. So, well, there's okay. only so, eleven games left. Who do what do we tell Re- me what I need to be rooting for? What you need to know tonight. Which teams would I normally not be rooting for that I need to root for right now? So today we are rooting for Father Philip Michael Tangora's New York Mets. Okay, they play the Marlins. Got it. The Reds do play tonight. They play the Twins. Obviously, we root for them. The Braves take on the Phillies. Uh, we can root for the Braves. Um, Cardinals, we'll root for the Cardinals over the Brewers. Okay. And the Giants do not play. Giants and Diamondbacks don't play. Tomorrow, the Cubs and Pirates play. So we're Pirates fans this week. Right, okay. And who do the Gi- and the Giants and Diamondbacks play each other. So These that's are kind of... Like the, and that's like, you know... That's a kind of a lose-lose-ish. Yeah. But... Um, Let's see. And the wild card picture, as we sit, we're half a game back. But uh, the Marlins are tied with the Cubs for that last spot. Okay. And then we are a full game back of the Diamondbacks. Okay. So it's getting it's getting it's getting hairy. It's well, we're still in striking distance. We are definitely within striking distance. Okay. So today uh, matters. Connor Phillips on the mound today for the Cincinnati Reds. All right. Nice. That is it for sports. Whew. Hopefully traffic's not that bad. Thanks Traffic, for walking me through that. Hey, I hope I walked a couple of people through it. So if you if you haven't paid attention to the Reds until now, now's a good time to kind of pick up on them. Traffic is service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Tell me something good. Southbound 75. Um, well, I wouldn't say that this is good per se. No accidents. That's good. But southbound 75, running slow as you head through the Lachlan split. Northbound 75, a little slow as you're approaching the Norwood lateral. Southbound 71, you start getting heavy around Field Zertle. You'll remain slow until you get past the lateral. In northern Kentucky, northbound 7175 is slowing from 275 up to the river. Speaking of 275, inner loop. Uh, going westbound, slow from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. And northbound 471 is slow from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Now, for weather. 
nice fall-like day. You know, we're not officially in fall just yet. I think that comes on the 22nd or 23rd or somewhere in the overnight hours between the two. Partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 76 degrees. Very pleasant tonight. Mostly clear with some patchy fog and an overnight low of 52. Mostly sunny and pleasant tomorrow with a high of 78. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, mix of sun and clouds today and a high of 73. Clearing with some fog possible tonight and an overnight low around 50. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. Today is Monday, September the 18th, the Feast of St. Joseph of Cupertino. Great for us. 13 past now. Matt? I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me there. You played a spot. You got to put him on. Put Father Rob on, Paul. Paul, do we have Father Rob? Us. He's host of Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Radio. It's the same radio station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show, and we've been talking about how to learn to speak Catholic. Father Rob, good morning. Hi, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, and we're in this series on how to speak Catholic. We're taking some words that the church uses in very specific ways and, and understanding that because sometimes these words are used in different ways out there in the rest of the world. Today we're talking about natural and supernatural. I'm so glad that we're diving into these because often when we talk about natural, we mean like organic, like natural foods. And when we talk about supernatural, we mean just spooky, right? So That's exactly right. What does the church mean by natural and supernatural? Because she's using these words in very specific ways, right? Oh, very much so. I mean, natural refers to that which is, which in many ways for us, if we would look at it from human beings' point of view, is nat is is human. You know, we're made up of of parts. You know, we're body, we're soul. You know, all these things. So because of that, there's a complexity to us in our humanity. And so we talk about our natural life. We are we're able not only to deal with the world through our senses you know we come to know through our senses and everything but the only thing we can really come to know is that which is material the spiritual part or we we would call the supernatural part we come to know through the grace of god and and what we find is that the supernatural helps us to be able to transcend ourselves to go beyond that which we would know through our senses to become uh, aware of the things of the spiritual world. And the spiritual world, again, is something that is it's not natural to us, but it is something we are capable of because of how God created us to be. You know, it uh, strikes me that even the word super or even the prefix super here needs a little bit of explaining because when I mean that something is super, uh, you know, in a world that understands what superheroes are, it just means like extremely right? <laughs> That's, That's right. what super often means. Where in here it means above, right? Above the natural. That's exactly right. We, you know, those those words like a, nat, a nature, it's what limits us. And we are limited. And we know we are limited because we are, we're mortal beings. And we know we're limited in, in the way that we have to come to know things over time. We can't know the fullness of knowledge at once. And so, yeah, that, that sets us apart, for instance, from the the pure spiritual beings, such as the angels. You know, the angels have what we would call preternatural gifts, and those are gifts 
because you can really have those three different types, the natural, that which pertains to us and how we were made, the preternatural, the things where God has given us, but we still need our humanity, and then there's the supernatural, which is where God lifts us up into his life. And as I said, oftentimes, as you pointed out, the, the, the challenge we face with, with the supernatural, we, we recognize that we go beyond ourselves to God, and then only in the supernatural God gives us the gift to really know who we are. You know, if we only stick with living a natural life, which I would call a very horizontal-based life, we really only focus on the material, and that's where we are today. We only think about material things, and we only deal with our material needs. But because we know, uh, last week as we celebrated the Feast of St. Augustine, there is this restlessness of our matter does not ultimately satisfy us. This is where the supernatural comes in, which is God reaching into our life, and it is something that becomes not, it can become intuitive to us. It is something that we tend to see, as we say, we don't see it when it's there, we see it in its effects. You know, as you're saying this, I feel like it gives a, a whole lot of clarity to some things that we read in Scripture that, that uh, you know, might be a little murky. You know, in the in the King James Version, and I think in the Dewey Reams and a few others, in 1 Corinthians 2, um, uh, it's, uh, around, uh, yeah, it's around verse 14. Paul says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, you know, when I think about a natural man, I think about a man in the woods with a beard. But when Paul is thinking of the natural man in this context, what's he mean in the context of this conversation you and I have just been having? Well, he means someone who lives, as I said, basically what I would say a horizontal life. He lives life in the world. He lives life through his senses. He lives life through his instincts. You know, those are things that God created with us in this world. But what we, as I said, what we find is that we move beyond the things of this world to the higher things, like seeking the truth, understanding beauty, you know, those things that we call transcendentals, you know, one, true, good, and beautiful, those all push us outside of ourselves. And we go from living strict, from strictly a horizontal life to now to begin to be pulled out vertically. God always wants to lift us up, and the supernatural life is what we would also call the life of grace, you know, and this is, again, another word that we can talk Catholic about at another time, but we have to understand first that we have our nature, and then we also have God who created this nature wants to pull us out of that nature because we're both body and soul. He wants to use the grace to build upon exactly. that nature, as we'll talk about later on. Thanks so much, Father Rob Jack. Have a wonderful day. You too, Matt. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Married couples, this fall we invite you to set aside time to grow in holiness. Join us for a weekend marriage retreat to pray, receive the sacraments, and grow in relationship with your spouse through intentional time spent together. Special guests Ryan and Mary Rose Verrett will guide you to more clearly see, 
embrace, and live out Christ's plan for your marriage. Held at Catholic Family Land near Steubenville, Ohio, October 20th through the 22nd. Register at afc.org. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. This is Father Steph Van Kemper, pastor of St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, with a couple of thoughts from St. Catherine of Siena. She wrote, All the way to heaven is heaven, because Jesus said, I am the way. And again, what is it you want to change? Your hair, your face, your body? Why? For God is in love with all those things, and he might weep when they are gone. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Still slowing on southbound 75 through the Lachlan split, northbound 75 as you're approaching the Norwood lateral. Northbound 471 also slow from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Elsewhere, just some heavy traffic in the uh, usual spots. Now for weather. Partly cloudy today in Cincinnati with a high of 76 degrees. Mostly clear tonight with an overnight low of 52 with some patchy fog. Mostly sunny tomorrow and a high of 78. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, a mix of sun and clouds today and a high of 73. Clearing with some fog possible tonight and an overnight low around 50. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 75. Now, as we are in the midst of the 54-day novena ahead of the November election, which has so many consequences for us here in Ohio, let's pray the novena prayer, the daily prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dr. Leonard Lorenzo joins us next. It's 24 past. Water damage in your home or business? Plumbing and flooding problems not repaired and restored can quickly get worse over time. Rainbow International of Cincinnati in Northern Kentucky, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help. Rainbow International, 513-271-1000. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center invites you to a weekend of prayer and renewal led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join others for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. 
JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Longtime underwriter and proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given human rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human. Regardless of age or stage, ability or disability, CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. Twenty-five minutes past the hour. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. Good morning, Dr. De Lorenzo. Good morning, Annie. It's good to have you. So, in honor of the feast of Saint Matthew coming up on September 21st, later this week, we are going to be talking about the famous Caravaggio painting, The Calling of St. Matthew. Just to kick off the conversation, can you describe this painting for us? Sure. I think many people are familiar with it. This is the scene where Christ enters, at least from the viewer's right, accompanied by St. Peter, out of the darkness, it seems. And as he enters along his outstretched arm, there's a beam of light that comes from out of the scene. And that beam of light lands upon a table of money changers gathered together involved in their craft. The one in the center of the table is pointing at himself, looking back at the beam of light. And this is the one typically uh, attributed to be St. Matthew. So the moment at which Christ barges in out of nowhere, it would seem, and selects Matthew, calls him forth out of what he has been into what he will be as a follower of Christ. Now, I understand you have some thoughts about this painting. (laughs) Well, you know, I started thinking about this painting really because of Pope Francis. When he was first uh, named Pope and in some of those early interviews, one of the early interviews, he was asked, who are you? And of course, he famously said, I am a sinner. And then he continued by saying, I am one who is looked upon by the Lord. And he recalled this painting. He said, I'm a little bit like Matthew in that famous painting by Caravaggio. I'm one whom the Lord has come and called. And I only know myself truly if I see myself looking back along his beam of light. So that's where I started thinking about this. But in particular, over the years, spending a lot of time looking at this painting, of course, in replication online, but then also in Rome, seeing it in person, which is a completely different experience. I came to kind of meditate on it in a different way. There are three men who are huddled together at the end of this table and then two sort of pages, younger, younger boys at the front. But of those three men at the back of the table, I started to actually question, well, is the one in the middle who's pointing to himself actually St. Matthew? Um, And I would say, you know, it is most likely that one who who is St. Matthew. But there is also the possibility that the one who's looking down, counting the money, the younger man, could that be St. Matthew? And then I even had the crazier thought, well, what about that older man, the older man who's looking over the scene? And what I came to in the end, not just to kind of lose any kind of grasp with a, a realistic view of this, is I allowed myself to start thinking, well, perhaps there's a way of of reading this, that each of those is St. Matthew at different points. The one who's looking up across the beam of light, this is St. Matthew as he's startled by the call of the Lord. But the younger uh, sort of adult man who's looking down, still counting his money, 
I wonder if that is an image of St. Matthew just before the Lord comes in, or that is to say in his life before the Lord comes to him. We're given that view too. And then the older man who's looking in, what if that is an image of St. Matthew if he had never been called by the Lord? He becomes older and miserly and is still looking down at the money. Or if he turned away from this call, this is sort of the life that he would have had, which leads to nothing except looking down at this money. And so in seeing it that way, I still think, you know, clearly, like with most people, the one who is St. Matthew here is the one looking back along the beam of light. But I think there's also an invitation for us to think about the seriousness of the call to conversion, a call that has to be heeded, that could be turned away from. But if it is turned toward, it's the beginning of a new story in Christ. Wow. And, you know, part of the reason why I think that it's fairly obvious which one is actually the Matthew that is called, I mean, setting aside your really interesting um, reflection here, is that the painting right next to this in Rome shows another image of St. Matthew the as he's writing the gospel mm-hmm. and looks just like the guy that's, right. that the beam of light is there. Exactly. But... But isn't that so cool to think about, like, that Matthew, the Matthew that looked back on that beam of light, look at what happens in as he's writing that gospel. He's got that angel over his shoulder. I mean, it's just like, this is what is available to us um, Mm. if we answer that call, if we look up from our worldly cares and, and, and stare into that beam of light. Mm. Yeah, and I love that you recall the rest of the chapel there, the rest of the cycle of the life of Matthew, because what we do get in what Caravaggio painted elsewhere with Matthew is really what does take place in the rest of that story and the return, the response to the call. We see him as the gospel writer. We see him later in life in his uh, in his death. We see this is what the life of discipleship leads to. And of course, his uh, his hope for everlasting life in the Lord, which is responded to later on. And so there's a way in which I think we can reflect on this, meditate on this in this particular painting itself, and then open it up to what Caravaggio saw and painted elsewhere. And of course, the gospel testimony to who Matthew becomes as the one who responded to the call. So I love seeing this both within the painting and then as you're Uh, inviting us to do within the cycle itself. Yeah, so I want to read Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything (laughs) and rose and followed him. Mm. I mean, like, you can't leave everything if you're staring down at your worldly Mm. cares if you are so committed to whatever that is. I mean, obviously, in this case, the young man staring at that money, Jesus is out the door as Mm. soon as this is over. I mean, Matthew gets up immediately and follows him, and that young man missed it. Mm. What a great point. Yeah. And I love, you know, the terseness of Luke's account right there, which you know, I'm teaching uh, freshmen this semester in an introduction to theology course, which has a lot to do with learning how to read scripture and opening our mind to scripture. And one of the things I've had to impress upon them early is that in scripture, we don't get a lot about like psychological states or, you know, what's going on in the internal forum or the thought process of any of the figures in scripture. What we get 
our actions. And you come to know, you come to read everything through actions. So in Luke's very terse account right there, we hear the action of Christ who comes in, and then we hear the action of Matthew. We're left to sort of fill in, if we will, or to understand through our own experience what's involved in that response of Matthew, who just left everything behind and followed the Lord. The sort of change in perspective, that moment of fear of trepidation, of having to let go with what you know and what you trust in, of just having to take that step, if we want to say that leap, to just give yourself over and abandon yourself to this new way. Um, I think we have experiences of something, maybe not as dramatic as that, but something of that pull and that that pain, that internal movement to have to do that. And I think you know, as a reader of Scripture, we should allow ourselves to feel that. Scripture is not going to overdo it for us. It's not going to overdetermine it and tell us it's a, it went exactly this way in the internal form. I think we have to feel what that internal tug and pull and sacrifice is life because we get the actions from Matthew following Christ, and we have to know what the experience of that is like. Yeah, speaking of that reading scripture, perhaps we can close on this because we've been going through um, Matthew in the lectionary cycle this year, his gospel. And one thing that has struck me as we've been reading through the gospel of Matthew is just how often those who uh, seek to destroy Jesus, how easily they look the other way at all of these signs. I'm just looking at what Matthew chapter 15, when he when he feeds the 4,000 and then immediately following, they're like, give us a sign. And you're thinking, <laughs> what? Like, where are you? You know what I mean? That the, there, It's so easy to, to just look down and miss everything that Jesus is doing and how much more so today in our day and age. That's that's a great point. And, you know, maybe that brings us back here to this painting. Like what would, as you were pointing out, that young man who's looking down at the money, what was he really looking for? What was he willing to see? It reminds me of the the opening of C.S. Lewis's book on miracles, where he says that, you know, in my entire life, I've only met one person who ever claimed to see a ghost. And she claimed not to believe in ghosts before she saw the ghost. And she claimed not to believe in ghosts after she saw the ghost. <laughs> in other words, what C.S. Lewis is saying is before we even get to the question of miracles or whether there have been miracles and what a miracle is, we have to open up the question of whether we are willing to believe in the first place. And he says, you know, the right position should be some kind of skepticism, like not naivete, but at least an openness to be surprised, to be pulled forward. And I think, you know, as you're pointing out there from Matthew 15, what were they looking for? They were given something to see, but it may be, it is maybe a revelation of their unwillingness to be persuaded, really. Mm. It's their demand for some kind of certainty or their own terms. Wow, some really, really important reflections we have for our own lives, too, here with Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo. You can find him at linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Talk to you later. Sounds good. All right. It is 36 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. President Biden is sending a team to Detroit in an effort to resolve the strike between the United Auto Workers Union and the big three automakers. The union went on strike last week, demanding better pay and benefits. The two sides reportedly remain far apart. Nearly 13,000 auto workers are currently on strike at three plants in Ohio, Michigan, and Missouri. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says good progress is being made in talks to avoid a government shutdown. But speaking on Fox News, 
He said that Republicans wanted to change Washington when they took the majority and that he's never seen anyone, quote, win a shutdown. McCarthy is facing challenges in passing a stopgap funding bill. As it appears, he lacks the votes to keep the government open beyond September 30th. Pope Francis has asked for prayers for his upcoming trip to Marseille, France. The Holy Father will travel there at the end of the week to help close out the Mediterranean meetings with bishops and young people in the region. He said during his Angelus address that this will be an opportunity to promote fraternity. During his catechesis, the Holy Father preached a message of forgiveness. The Pope told the faithful to think of someone who has hurt them and to ask God for the strength to forgive that person. He said, forgiveness can heal the poisons of resentment and restore peace to our hearts. He said, forgiving is not a good deed that we can choose to do or not do, but a fundamental condition for those who are Christians. Coming up on 838 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. All right. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Reds lost yesterday to the New York Mets. Eight to four final score, but uh, they did win the first two in flushing. So uh, that's good news. Reds are just outside the wild card uh, with a 78 and 73 record. And we'll host the Minnesota Twins for the first of three games tonight. Just 11 games remaining in the regular season. And the Reds sit a half a game back of the wild cards. All right. Bengals played the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Things did not go as planned. Ravens over the Bengals. 27-24 final score. T. Higgins did uh, notch two touchdowns for uh, Cincinnati, who dropped to 0-2. Bengals play next Monday, taking on... The uh, formerly St. Louis Rams, they're the Los Angeles Rams now. All right, Blue Jackets are uh, installing a new head coach after Columbus announced yesterday that Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock is stepping down from his position and have a, uh, assigned Pascal Vincent as the uh, new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Family, if you just received Sacred Heart Radio's autumn newsletter, then you know it's because of family members like you that we received valuable input this summer about our programs, how and when you listen, and so much more. And in appreciation for taking the survey, we mailed out hundreds of Sacred Heart Radio t-shirts and bumper magnets to give you the swag to show others where they can hear about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The survey also revealed that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change the direction of someone's life, get those bumper magnets on your vehicle. And if you don't have one or the car wash ain't yours, just visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Signs and Magnets. And with important issues facing Ohio this November, Father Rob Jack's article was a courageous reminder that our true power lies in prayer. There was also a full page of pictures, the elder football schedule, and more. Now, if you'd like to receive our newsletter and start getting our monthly e-newsletter, go to sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. Have you heard how much louder and how consistent the audio levels are when listening to Sacred Heart Radio on our app, stream, podcast, smart speaker, and especially when listening on your car radio through Bluetooth? This important technical upgrade was requested and paid for by you. 
Thank you. And to let us hear how your listening experience could be better, just click on the Send Voicemail icon at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. It's 18 till. Thanks so much for listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online and via the Sunrise Morning Show app. We are happy to have you along with us no matter how you listen to the Sunrise Morning Show and had a great time at St. Luke in Beaver Creek yesterday. Took me about an hour to get there, and it was worth it. I was very impressed by the grounds at St. Luke and Beaver Creek and very impressed by by the mass attendance as well. It was so good to get to talk to all of you. Father Jason Beadle had a beautiful homily on forgiveness. We're trying to get Dr. Benjamin Lewis on the line, and hopefully we can, but this does give me an opportunity to um, give a little more about what Father Beadle had to say based on the readings yesterday, which can be so hard to hear um, for those of us who are sinners. You know, wrath and anger are, what was it? Hold on, let me pull this up. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. And then when we go into the gospel where Jesus tells the the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18 and at the end you hear that the holy father that the heavenly father will do to us unless each of us forgives our brother from our heart um and it's like this is hard because some of us have been really hurt and Father Beadle, in his homily yesterday, was talking, and I thought this was really helpful. I hope that, I hope that you all find this helpful as well. Um, he said, you know, we, we, we get tied up in that, that phrase in English, forgive and forget. And we often um, will then kind of merge those two things together and, and think that if I forgive someone, that means I have to forget the wrong that they've done to me. And that might actually be, um, you know, especially if you're talking about physical harm in some way, that's 
that's kind of dangerous to forget what they've done to you, right? Because they could do it again. You don't know if they, I mean, you always pray for their repentance. But anyway, he was like, how do we know that we've forgiven someone if we don't forget the wrong that's been done to us? And and Father Beetle said, well, are you able to pray for that person? Pray for their good. Um, you know, to love is to, in Aquinas' definition, is to will the good of the other. Do you want what is best for that person, even though they've hurt you? If that's the case, then you're probably on the path of forgiveness. Are you able to pray for that person? Pray for their good. If that's the case, you're probably on the path of forgiveness. Do you desire to see that person in heaven someday? If that's the case, then we're probably on the path of forgiveness with that person. If you can't bring yourself to pray for them, if you're still harboring that resentment, do you want to see that person in hell? Does the idea of seeing them this upcoming weekend, we're going to be uh, hearing the parable of the workers in the vineyard, which is another difficult one to to kind of swallow sometimes if we're harboring this resentment um you know maybe maybe this person is a really terrible person but at the very last minute they change and convert to christ are you prepared to rejoice in that if you are then you're probably on the path of forgiveness if you're not if that makes you feel envious, if you are sad at another person's good, even if they've hurt you, then there's probably some work to do to get to that path of forgiveness. And then just to add my own two cents to the matter, um, I've told this story many, many times, but I I think it bears repeating because it was so formational for me um, when I had a, a very awful relationship with somebody that I worked with in college, just could not stand her, didn't think that she was doing any work and wasn't helpful. And, you know, I just, I could not stand her. And it got to the point where it really was harming me that I was harboring this resentment toward her. And I took it to confession and and my penance in that confession was to start praying for her. And I didn't want to pray for her. But I did it because it was my penance, and that's what we as Catholics do, right? We have to do whatever Father tells you to do and, you know, to, to complete the, the act of confession. And, um, and so I started to pray for her reluctantly at first and then continued to pray for her. And eventually that relationship by the end of that year got so much better. And I don't think it was because she changed. I think it was because I changed because I became able to pray for her readily. Um, just something to think about, you know, how do we get onto that path of forgiveness? Sometimes it's the quote unquote, fake it till you make it, start praying for their good. And eventually your heart will get into that prayer if you continue to work that muscle, right? So I hope you find that helpful. I'm sorry we didn't have Dr. Lewis on the line here, but um, hopefully we can get him on next time to talk about the uh, new translation of the Liturgy of the Hours. We got Sister Alicia Torres joining us next. It's 12 till.
Being prepared is everything, right? Does your family know your wishes for your final resting place? Gate of Heaven Cemetery, Archdiocese of Cincinnati's pre-planning family services advisors will assist you and your family with your advanced planning by helping you make decisions calmly and with a clear mind. Attend an upcoming pre-planning seminar at Gate of Heaven Cemetery so you can rest with peace of mind. 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East. With evening and weekend hours designed to make servicing your vehicle easy. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Honda East, get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. You start your day a better way by listening to this. It's 11 till... Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Sister Alicia Torres. She's with the National Eucharistic Revival Team. Sister, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. I am so excited to get to talk to you again. Love talking to you. So the National Eucharistic Congress has put together a a new video series to help with the year of parish revival. Now, before we get to the series itself, Sister, Uh, Can you just remind us of the objectives of this year of parish revival? Absolutely. So year of parish revival began Corpus Christi this past June, 2023. And it's a year where we are hoping and praying and wanting to provide resources and encouragement so that at the parish level, the Eucharistic revival can be lived, that this movement of renewal in our hearts, our devotion, our relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist can be deepened, reestablished, um, perhaps discovered for the first time for many people. And there are four pillars for this year, and they have to do with encounter, worship, formation, and mission. And so our four pillars help to kind of give parishes a structure for how to imagine, create, and then really cultivate revival at the parish level. Okay, so then this video series, it's called Jesus and the Eucharist. Tell us a little bit about it and how it fits in with those pillars. Absolutely. So Jesus in the Eucharist, I'm incredibly excited about it. I'm so proud of of my teammates and colleagues for the incredible work that they've done, partnering with the USCCB and the Augustine Institute to prepare this literally out-of-the-box resource for parishes. It provides seven weeks or seven videos. It's a seven-week series that parishes can literally just gather the group who are interested in participating, just train some table facilitation leaders, and hit play, and the video kind of does it all for you because the hostess, Monse Alvarado um, from EWTN, leaves it for you. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, kind of introducing people or reading a script, and she does it so beautifully. And it leads us through salvation history and into the mystery of the Eucharist. So it's a very comprehensive study. It's not just starting off with the doctrine of the Eucharist, but rather putting it all within context of who we are, who we are, and where we're headed. So it's just a brilliant way to help people go deeper. Um, and, I mean, I've, I've literally benefited from it myself, and I've been studying these things since I was a small child. So I think it's for everybody, not just for newcomers. Um, all of us can grow and learn together through this series. So it starts with creation, right, and kind of takes us through salvation history? Is that right? Right. Absolutely. It takes us through salvation history, focusing on the person of Jesus Christ, and then it goes into the mystery of the Eucharist, 
and what that means for us as Catholics and why that makes our faith different and why that gives us this deep hope that all things literally are being made new in Christ. Okay, wait, sister. I mean, Jesus instituted the Eucharist right before he died in the New Testament. What does the story of salvation prior to that have to do with the Eucharist? Well, literally, the whole story of salvation is it's God's love story for us. It's him seeking after and striving after us, his lost children, after the fall, right? So, like, within the first three chapters of the Bible, this great story of salvation history, um, we lose our relationship with God because of turning away because of sin. We think about Adam and Eve eating that apple, and that represents that original sin. And all through the story of salvation, God keeps seeking after his lost children. And finally, because they just can't quite stay with him, we just can't quite get the message that we are loved unconditionally and God wants to be with us. He sends his only begotten son, and Jesus comes, and he is the final sacrifice. And that's what happens in the Paschal Mystery. Jesus lives this perfect gift of self um, to bring us back into relationship with the Trinity um, through the Holy Spirit to the Father. And so at every Mass, we live that. And so salvation history isn't just within the confines of the Bible, although it feels wrong to even say just, but we're literally living salvation history now. And a study like Jesus in the Eucharist can help us to connect with that reality, and it makes life so much better. Well, Sister, you mentioned that you yourself have have benefited from these videos. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what what have you been reflecting on? What have you what have you learned from, from being a part of this? <laughs> yeah, so I have the chance to we. Um, we sneak previewed the first episode last month that's been floating around, and I took the time to sit down and view that. And I think that the two things that really stick out to me are excellence and testimony. You know, when we talk about virtue, living um, a life with good habits, that's what a virtue is, a good and holy habit. Virtue is really about Christian excellence, and I'm just incredibly impressed with the excellence of the production quality it really draws you in. And I think today many people um, are not going to watch a video if it's poorly done. And so just right away, the beauty of it, the excellent, uh, excellence of it drew me in. And then what was incredibly impactful for me personally were the incredible testimonies um, that the team was able to um, invite people from all over the country to share at different moments throughout the series. Every episode, there are testimonies that relate to the content of each of each of the of the seven um, of the seven movements of the series. And I was moved to tears, to be honest with you, wow. um, as I watched one of the testimonies in particular. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to be a, a spoiler, so I'm not going to tell any more, but it's amazing to first have your mind formed, but then have your heart moved by how others have encountered the love and the mercy, the reality of God. Um, and that helps us to open our own hearts to that encounter. And that's so important, isn't it? When we think about the Eucharist, it is the body of Christ, but we too are the body of Christ. And so as as members of the body, we should know how others are affected because then we could be affected, as you're just uh, telling us. Absolutely. It's Paul talks about, you know, what we rejoice with those who rejoice, we weep with those who weep. Um, that's the beauty of the Christian life is that we are united in Christ, our head, 
and that we can share in the graces that all of us are experiencing. Um, and that's a huge piece of the Eucharistic revival too. We are not alone. The Lord is always with us and he has given us this community, this family, the church, um, where we find others who are seeking and striving after the Lord and wanting to walk with him that it can encourage and support us along the way. Love it. Sister Alicia Torres, we've got the National Eucharistic Revival linked at sunrisemorningshow.com for listeners to check it out. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. All right, that'll do it for this Monday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at FortMitchellGarage.com. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Elizabeth's New Life Center, serving at-risk pregnant women and their babies for more than 30 years. Join them for their South Partnership Celebration, October 5th and 6th, with inspirational keynote speakers Bishop Earl Fernandez from the Diocese of Columbus and Dr. Ashley Fernandez, Associate Director of the Center for Bioethics at OSU. More information at their website, enlc.life. That's enlc.life. Central Fabricators, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, custom builds and repairs corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. These are used to manufacture liquids used in everyday products like health and beauty aids, pharmaceuticals, and food. Central Fabricators uses the latest in technology and modern equipment to deliver quality products, and big orders are not a problem. Central Fabricators, ASME certified, and on the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. I'm Deacon Bill Mullaney from Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast.